All right. Well, we're about to start a episode of the Rabbit Hole Ramble, actually our longest episode we've ever recorded uh, with a special guest. He, you'll get to hear from him here in a minute. But uh, Ruben, give me just like a 10 second feedback about this episode. Well, it's a great conversation. It's an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. And so there's some things that we talk about that uh, may be sensitive to some. And mm-hmm. um, that was intentional not to offend or to um, say say something, but we really do say the quiet part out loud and we hear a story from somebody who's experienced some really hard, hard things, yeah. um, and thought some really hard things. So, um, we so just some of the things we you with that. explore, and if this makes you uncomfortable, you may want to skip it, not just because it's a long episode, but mm-hmm. because of the things we talk about. We talk about suicide, homelessness, talk about drugs, drugs, homelessness. Yeah. We talk about, um, issues in the church, some witchcraft, things that, demonic yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. We talk about church abuse. Yep. So this episode is very wide um, reaching. There's a bunch of little holes we jump into on the rabbit hole ramble yeah. in this episode. So if any of these topics are triggering, just be be prepared. Also, it's a long one, so you may have to split this up into like five parts, you know. But yeah. I think you're going to have the experience we had, which as you're listening, you're not going to realize that it's yeah. actually taking Time as went long fast. as it did. So. Um, without further ado, see, I don't know why I say that. That's so dumb. But without holding on too much longer, here we go. Rabbit hole ramble. Let's get started. Let's go. <sighs> I think that was the longest. I think that was the longest and Prequel potentially funnest uh, <laughs> pre-recorded part. Thing. So <laughs> don't. Oh. I, I'm gonna forget. So, hey everybody, this is Ray and I'm Ruben, <laughs> and this is the Rabbit Hole Ramble. It's a podcast where, where we, we say, say the quiet part out loud. loud. So just we're a to, little off on that one. It was a little bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just to give some behind the scenes, there's really never a behind the scenes, but today there's been this like a little, little green little, room, little chatter, like a little little, a little green chatter. room behind the scenes stuff. So we have a special. I'm guest. already sweating. So. I'm not sure if he's special, but we have a guest. <laughs> well, he might be special. <laughs> we have a, a guest. in his own way. Yeah, we have a guest today. We'll introduce him here in a second, but. Um, Ra- uh, a rabbit. rabbit. <laughs> See, rabbit. We're on track. We're rabbit. on track. Not squirrel, but rabbit. <laughs> rabbit, yeah. Uh, squirrel? Rabbit? No, uh, coffeeslingers.com. Hey, I was in Coffee Slingers yesterday. So we had some friends from out of town, and they took the train to Texas. And I was oh, like, cool. Oh, we have a train? Okay. So went downtown, took them to Amtrak. And I couldn't yep. find it. I didn't encircle the block a bunch of times and I could see the train up on the track, but I didn't know how to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I found, I finally found the station and the train was waiting back. So that's why it confused me a little bit. But anyway, I was right. I was four minutes away from coffee slingers yesterday morning. And I was like, oh, I've got to go by and see Isaac and all the peeps there. And I met a new girl. She's the, she's the flavor. What do they call them? She does the new flavors. So like if they have special blends or special drinks, you know, like the the toasted almond latte. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know. Okay. Coffee artisan. So, yeah. Art, coffee art. See, look at you. Nice. Coffee artisan. Look, our guest knows. Anyway, so I walked in. Isaac was not there. Boo. So I almost Bummer. left. But I said, hey, give me some coffee. Hey, what should I talk about on the Ramble tomorrow? 
and uh, they said matcha lemonade. And I was like, mm, yeah, I've talked about that like two or three times, but I got one yesterday. Super good. And then I, she said, have you tried the toasted almond latte? And I was like, no, I'll go ahead and give you one of those and I'll, I'll try it. And then we'll talk about it on the on the podcast. That how you sneeze? <laughs> nice. He's super quiet. No, I almost blew my brains up on that one. Ruben, <laughs> I didn't Ruben, that's why Ruben has no hair. <laughs> I, just, I just blew it all off. <laughs> it just held to sneeze in. <laughs> he said, "Is that how you sneeze?" <laughs> Ruben, like not most days. It held his Usually breath, plugged really his nose, loud. and his hair went. Poof, it grew like <laughs> half an inch. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm obnoxious when I sneeze because I just I try to like let it all out. Oh, I let it all out, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel obnoxious. Loud. Really? Yeah, and you I think it's annoying when I sneeze. Like, no, I don't know that I've ever. That was hesitation. No, no, he's like, think about this. The hesitation was. I'm trying to think about when I've heard you sneeze. I just let it go, man. Oh yeah, I do too. I just don't care. So coffee slingers. Anyway, yeah, back coffee slingers. See, this is thank you, thank you. I'm not sure how successful this ramble is going to be because we keep getting pulled back on track. Um, anyway, they gave me this toasted almond latte. It was good. So, of, of course, I got a, a macchiato, dude. I mean, did they just put I a? Syrup I walked in out it? with three drinks. <laughs> I was actually, just about to ask you actually, walked were, out with three drinks. Well, they gave me a drink carrier because I was like, "Hey, would you take one?" That's to why that drink carrier was sitting on your yeah. desk. I was like, "Oh yeah. man, I wonder what that and was." If you would have been I around, get it. like if you would have been around, uh-huh. you would have been offered a iced something. Mm. But you weren't there, so Janelle got it. I was there, like I don't know, man. Bryce was like early. already got, you know. Bryce has her other addiction, so she was already had hers. <laughs> yeah, and her sister sent her a Slingers. Oh, and uh, nice. so anyway, so I had a macchiato, of course, had to little small thing, and then I had my. I was there when almond. you walked into the door. Oh, that was gone. I mean, it was gone. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, except the lemonade, I saved that for later. Okay. But then I drank the, la- the, the, the toasted almond latte and then the matcha I drank during our meeting. But anyway, go to coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble for your rabbit hole ramble discount. Um, several people now have gone in to, someone's getting a call. Several people have gone into Slingers physical, you know, brick and mortar. And talked about the and discount. And said, hey, I need the, I need the rabbit hole ramble discount. And they're like, what? <laughs> the, the baristas are like, but now they know. What's which rabbit cool. hole now ramble? So today we're drinking Ebonia, which is Ebola. What'd you say? Come, dude. <laughs> oh, Ebonia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <Isaac>. Ebonia. <laughs> I believe that's how it's pronounced. Ebonia. And it's Ebonia. And Ebonia. I don't know Ebonia. how you say it, man. I'm just, I'm just making it up. Dude. <laughs> it's because we want to read things like Spanish, but that's in Africa, dude. I mean, who knows how they pronounce that? Right. That happened to me at work. <laughs> My boss comes up to me. He's like, how do you say this? And I'm thinking in Spanish. Yeah. It's an Indian word. So I'm sitting here trying to pronounce it. Seriously. I'm like, I don't think this is Spanish, man. Well, <laughs> he was asking you because he as thought it was Spanish. As, someone, as soon as you know someone speaks another language, your mind goes Spanish. And they're speaking like Chinese or Indian or... I was I, I I stalked this guy yesterday. Tried to ask him where the train station was. He has a he had a, he was pulling a, a a suitcase downtown. And I was like, "Are you going on the train?" And he goes, "Yes." And I was like, "Oh, he's not from here." <laughs> and so I thought it was Spanish, but it wasn't Spanish. He was speaking I don't know what I don't know where he was from, but That's he funny. was so scared of me because I kept driving close to him, saying, "Dude, where's the train station?" And he was like, "Uh." Did you, had, did you have your mustache? told me not to come to America. <laughs> <laughs> he finally went into this building, and I was like, "No." Oh. Yeah, he's getting away from me because he's scared. Just <laughs> like get out of here. Some white dude with so, an Amish beard. Seriously, trying to ask no, no, questions. This, this white dude with his funky beard is like, 
little boy have some did candy you, in my car. <laughs> you, I'm kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> oh, no. This is, we're going down real quick. Okay. And we have another drink with us here today. Well, let's finish up oh, the okay, Ebonia okay. thing. Ebonia. Well, I, I tried and Sorry. you... <laughs> whatever Ray wants to call it. I think it, it's that's called Ebonia. Call it. You're right. Ebonia. I think you're right. Okay. I was just messing with you. Good. Okay. So coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble. Go get your It's an African coffee. roast from yes. Kenya. See, they so, don't usually do that. So No, this is. This I think is this is origin, the first one from Africa. Well, they had one from Ethiopia last year. Oh, okay, okay. You remember that one? I don't um, know. I don't know if I do. I can't remember the name of it. Do you get shirts discounted uh, now? Yes. I don't online. know. I mean, I we haven't got the official word, but... <laughs> online. It, you place an online order, I think, no matter what it is, you get it. I want one of those. 15%. Dude, the He's long sleeve ones are sick. Yeah, I got that too. I can't I wear it much. Too hot, but yes. Yeah. False We're coming. False like coming. Cafe 19. Some like some merch, so yeah. we'll see what happens cool. there. That's for the, that's for our uh, nonprofit there working in Central America. So more yes. information to come on that. All right, so we have another drink sitting here. Yeah, compliments of our guest who listened to our last episode, and we with talked Woody. about this Java monster huh. with Woody. And I got a feeling that I'm going to be twitching this afternoon, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm I'm looking forward to well, shake it up. It's so, it. it's so bad because Dude. I oh for real? Or yeah, you, no, oh, I thought you were like shake it up. Dude, and then <laughs> There's a bunch up. of equipment. <laughs> I would not do that. Looks <laughs> like shake it up. He's like he's like I got really ticked at Ray this morning, so I told him to, <laughs> to shake, shake up, up his drink and open it right next to his computer. <laughs> Well, last episode, dude, I left the episode and I went immediately and got a, a monster. What well, Java? Yeah, monster, you had one, but I got a day. vanilla one. So I've, I've never. Which, had a, which one is this? This is Java. Just mocha. straight Loca Mocha. Is this the best one? Let's see. Well, I, I like mocha. this one okay. and the caramel one. The caramel one's pretty good, but they didn't have it down here, and I was like, "You losers." So if you're listening, and I don't know what this is going to sound like, but you're like, <laughs> "Why is Ray speaking twice?" Oh, dude, is it good? Really good. Mm-hmm. Oh man. This isn't good. It's not good for me because it was like I was expecting like a lot of carbonation. And oh, it's just, carbonation? There's yeah, well, it's no a monster. There. It's no, like no, no, so no, no, smooth. smooth. <gasps> I'm in trouble, Woody. Oh, you jerk. <laughs> All right, let's you introduce our guest. You just opened a door. Well, it's oh, funny man, because it's I, I walked up and I was holding a bag and Ru was like, oh, what you got there? And I was like, I got the devil's brew. Oh, no. Oh, man. Well, if you're if you're listening and you're like, why is Ray speaking twice? This sounds kind of familiar. Um, it's because we have a genetic unity. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. A genetic union. That's so We're good. We're bro- blood brothers. Legit. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce our guest. His name is Arthur Roten. Thank you, Arthur, for this Java monster right there. Anyway, um, are you putting it away, Ruben? He can't even handle the temptation. Like he straight up took two sips. Oh man, I'm saving it for later, dude. You, you ever t- heard about saving something for good? You no, know? I'd do it right now, man. Enjoy the journey. What the heck? Or if a guest brought you a oh, yeah, gift. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm going to try. Oh, man, look at that. See how easy that is with Ruben? <laughs> <laughs> he took hey, two sips. Hey, we need to do another episode on the art of manipulation. Oh, right there, you're oh rotens are pretty good at that. <laughs> oh, crap. <no. laughs> you're not supposed to say that. Why? It's the quiet part out loud. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ruben took that's two sips, so put good. it in the fridge, and oh. that's back in front of him. <laughs> I'm in trouble, dude. Anyway, our guest, Arthur. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Thanks for jumping on with us. I, I thought about getting a filter for your voice so that when you spoke, it was it would sound completely different. 
So it's either going to be a chipmunk or one of those weird like hide his identity, just ruin the, hide his identity the, voice. Like, the really serious points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd have to take the filter off. Well, <laughs> get some helium. Well, somebody, somebody wrote me and said, dude, I'm listening to this episode. It was the one with your dad. And he goes, I don't know who's talking. That's funny. <laughs> They're just... They sound you know so, that one where you know so hide like, someone's identity and they have that weird like oh yeah the stalker r- voice. yeah they slow they slow the <laughs> I saw my gang there. members beat up another man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> can you just do that the whole time oh no <laughs> uh, just on the serious parts yeah so uh, Arthur and I have known each other for a couple decades <laughs> um, actually I'm hoping <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna get through this episode but. <laughs> Oh man, your family, dude. (laughs) But I mean, I'm trying to explain because I was 17 when he was born. So I like didn't live with him. I lived with a year and then I was gone. Okay, and And I don't remember any of it. I said I've yeah, exactly. (laughs) He was one. He was he's a one year old genius. I mean, he remembers. Hey, Ray, see you later. (laughs) No, what had happened is like I left home, so I've known him for a couple decades, but we've only lived together for a year, even though he's my brother. So in Costa Rica, what's interesting is well, yeah. Cross street, yeah. Here's what's weird is that even though we didn't grow up together necessarily, it's eerie how similar things are. So, well, you've changed. Like our, our humor now is very similar. I'm not sure if that's good. Or <laughs> that's not. not good at all. <laughs> oh no, Ray's going downhill. Oh, uh, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh, no. was that before we started? Uh, yeah. Oh crap. Yeah. Okay, so you mind. just introduced sorry. the the pre Inside the pre conversation. <laughs> so if you're listening, I'm sorry. You won't know what that means. But we usually don't do that because I don't I don't like to but, like catch well, people up. But yeah, but. We were trying we, to we mention like, it on the science ramble. So if you're if you're wondering what we're talking about, go listen to the science ramble with Dr. Jared Evett. Yeah. And then you'll <clears throat> kind of get some context. Yeah. Um, I got some I before we jump in too far, I got a text from one of our listeners. Um, I'll read it to you because it's pretty funny. This morning, actually, I woke up to this text. The next day, this is a quote. The next day, when Bashur finally released him, Jeremiah said. Bashur, the Lord has changed your name. From now on, you are called the man who lives in terror. <laughs> Another God, name change, but with a negative meaning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jeremiah 23. <laughs> That's funny. So it's this guy named Bashur got his name changed by God from the man who lives in terror. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I want that name. That's it. <laughs> Bashur. Ooh, that's awesome. So anyway. Um, I don't even know where I was at. Oh, name change, slippery slope, slippery slope. Yeah. Um, Arthur actually uh, has a an interesting story. So, if you have a sibling that was born after, like quite a bit after you, like if you're the older sibling and then you have another sibling, mm-hmm. and then they grow up in the same household, but you're basically living with grandma and grandpa, kind of. But it's it's mom and dad, but they're at the age where they're about to have grandkids. And so it's it's a it's a strange dynamic. So my mom was was older, my dad was older obviously. And they uh, had this little baby in in Costa Rica. And I remember very, very clearly they took us on vacation during the time of year that we normally don't go on vacation. <laughs> it was a little weird thing. So we my parents always took us once a year. We had one week, once a year we'd go and we went to this always the same place. Well, it was like in the fall or I don't know when it was, but they were like, hey, we're going on a trip. And I was like, and I was 17. Mm-hmm. I was almost 17. I think I was, no, I was 16, 17. And so I was like, 
oh, it's kind of weird that we're going right now when we're not supposed to be going right now. And you know, it's the, the weather's different, the whatever. So Jeremy, Rachel and I, we're in the car, we go and we pull off on the way in this really nice restaurant, like super nice by a river, great food. I remember what I ate. It was like this, um, this uh, Corvina, which is like a sea bass with macadamia, like a shell, like a macadamia shell mm -hmm. on it. And so we're sitting by this river. This is 20 some years ago, 28 years ago. We're sitting by this river and my mom and dad said, we have some news for you. And we're like, oh yeah? And you're gonna have a little brother or sister, little brother or sister. And I was like, I mean, I was like, almost like I didn't hear him. It was like the river kind of overtook the sound. And the it was like a, <laughs> you know, it was like that weird dreamlike moment. And we're sitting there and I'm looking around going, huh? I mean, I just like, what are we talking about right now? Cause I mean, here's the backstory. We've been trying to get mom and dad to have a, another baby for 15 years, you know? We need one more, so there's four of us. So it's even two and two, you know, it's like, so anyway. So we get the news that that uh, my little brother is going to be born. We didn't know he was a boy at the time, boy or girl. My other brother was mad. Yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> he's the he was the baby at the time as a fourteen year old. He's like, that's stupid. And he's like, oh no. You know, like, even I mean, babies are always babies. So it's like he was getting his spot taken away. What was bad is that he was the baby of the family, like the whole mm -hmm. our clan, and then we had a cousin born. And then he was the baby, and Jeremy didn't like that either. Uh, so, Brandon. No offense, Brandon, but <laughs> I well. don't know if you ever hear this, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. So Jeremy got upset, and so then at his own family, it happened again, and he's like ticked, you know. <laughs> but he's all good now. I mean, he's he's, he's okay with it now, right, Jer? <laughs> <laughs> so see, mine happened opposite of that. Like we had, I had, I had you an were oldest the one that brother. Came along and broke things. No, no, no. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm in okay. the middle, but we have one older brother and then he's the, the farthest separation. So he's like, I think, uh, Oh man, I can't, I can't do math in the morning, but he's a lot older <laughs> than everyone else. And then all of us other siblings are only two years apart, like one or two oh. years apart. And, and he was like so he was having a third. A yeah. He was like having a third parent. I mean, we looked up to him. He would take us to the arcade and like, cause he could drive and wow. we were like, and so oh, that's a it big was separation. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we <laughs> see, we didn't get that experience because we left home. So Arthur didn't really get the older sibling experience. That's kind of oh, bad. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. But then I moved in across the street. So <laughs> I think you were, how old were you? Seven, eight, seven, seven, or, uh, seven maybe. Well, <laughs> you so had fun. your wedding when you were seven, when I was seven at Montuvar. That wasn't you were seven. You were three. How can I remember it then? <laughs> Why can't you remember things? Can't you remember stuff when you're three? So what year were you born? 90, I don't what, remember 95? last week. So. 94? Were you born in 94? <laughs> no. you born in 94? Yeah. Yeah, we got married in 97. You were three. Yeah. But we remember because you couldn't speak English. Here's a funny thing. I mean, this little dude grew up in Costa Rica, born there. He's a, he's a dual citizen of there. He's like, he came to see us when he was three in the States. And Christy and I were dating. We had just started dating and getting to know each other. And so we we go to we're going to church together. It's actually going to Parkrest in Springfield. Oh, okay. And this little dude, three years old, we take him. Christy and I take him. Everybody <laughs> thinks he's our baby. My mom gets all ticked because she's like, <laughs> I'm the mother. And I'm like, it's okay. And so because we're he looks like he could be our kid, but my mom, you know, she was like, she's real sensitive about that. Sorry, mom. But um, so we check him into the kids' ministry and we come back and this little turkey. He speaks English and Spanish. 
but he wouldn't tell the teachers that he spoke English. Oh no. And so he was acting like he didn't speak English to the teachers the whole time. And so they said, I think he had fun, but he wouldn't speak English to us. He would, I mean, all he did was speak Spanish. I don't think he speaks English. And I was just like, "Mm, (laughs) this little guy. (laughs) How funny. It started early. (laughs) It started early. So that's kind of funny. But anyway, um, tell us a little bit about your story, who you are. I already, already stole some of your stuff, which that was pre your life. So now yeah. tell us some of your story, your, your first experiences, memories, all that stuff. Uh, well, like, uh, like Ray said, I was born in Costa Rica in 1994, uh, the capital of Costa Rica. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other thing that he messes me with. <laughs> so could we talk about this for a minute? Yeah. We'll, we'll go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> so everyone in Costa Rica gets an ID. And it's based on the province you're born in. So there's province zero, no, one to seven, because there's seven provinces. Okay. Well, I became a citizen. And guess what my number is? So one through seven are provinces. And so in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a three. Because I think, isn't, isn't where I am at a three? I think it's three. Well, they gave me a what? Eight. It's like no. no province. It's like it just doesn't exist. It's just basically everybody knows that you're not from here. You know, oh, like how bad no. is that? So every time it's Jeremy's or Arthur's like, you're a, I'm a one, you're an eight. And I'm like, you suck. It's like, hung, it's like Hunger Games. Um, District up, eight. Yeah, you know? District eight. You're like, out. And he's pulling out his ID and he's showing me the one. And I'm like, you jerk. Because it was really, it I'm, felt good I'm to from be Pan a citizen. Am. Yeah, no, seriously. It felt good to be a citizen. And then I was like. And yet they still know I'm not, <laughs> I'm from no man. I'm from no province. That's so bad. Anyway. So he's born in one province one. See, province one's right capital. There the, right there in the cap- capital. <laughs> yep. Um, pretty normal childhood. I mean, from what I remember for a foreigner, for a I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of, a lot of racism and stuff like that. And I didn't really think about it at the time. Like it didn't really cross my mind until I was older and I'm like, some weird experiences. Yeah. Happy go lucky kid though. Happy kid. I was until what, 12, 12, 13. Then uh, some church issues happened. What are your earliest memories though in Costa Rica? Because um, you didn't know any different. I mean, you were born there. Yeah. So my earliest, like the, fr- the first thing I can remember isn't in, even in Costa Rica. Mm. It's uh, here in the States. I was four years old mm. and me and my mother went to a pig farm. A pig farm. A pig farm. (laughs) And we were there with my mom's side of the family. Uh, I think all my aunts were there in the car. And we were running around with pigs and stuff. And we got back into the car. And all I can remember is everybody complaining that we smelled like pigs. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a long drive to go. So it was just pigs. Have you been around a pig farm, Ruben? (laughs) I don't know that I have. It's... like okay. an actual, you have to burn your clothes. Like go oh. to a dump, dude. Go to a dump and just wall around in it, and then come home. That's what oh. a pig farm farm smells like. That's like so it's bad. sour. It's like that weird high pitch sour, like yeah. a high pitch, but high, like high, <laughs> an high sour smell. But then my second memory um, was living in that house that you lived in. Ah, uh, I remember running around the neighborhood with some kids and stuff like that. And then after that, it's kind of a blur until you moved. Yeah. Into that same house, yeah. and then uh, the cockroach incident. <laughs> was that when your dad set off the set off the bomb in the house? Oh, he did that all the time. But oh. he's he's talking specifically. <laughs> 
So in Costa Rica, the there are crumb. roach migrations. Oh. So you, okay. Roaches are pretty phenomenal. Like pretty oh, yeah. amazing. They can survive nuclear disasters. They can survive freezing, extreme heat, extreme cold. You can put one in your fridge and it will go into like a dormant state. And then you freezer, you put them in the freezer mm-hmm. and it'll go into like hibernation. You pull it out, put it on the counter and it'll thaw out and come back to life. Wow. Yeah. So they're pretty amazing. So anyway, in That's Costa Rica, it's tropical. There's never a winter. There's no, I mean, it's just a different place and they just multiply and they say for every cockroach you see, I don't know if I'm gonna get my stats right, I think but there's, there's like 16,000 in the wall. Like yeah. something no. insane like that in, in Costa Rica. Now I don't know if this is everywhere, but <gasps> in so the States, see not them. so much. I don't think. That's I don't so know. bad. I don't know. I think is we there have cockroaches a, in Oklahoma? There, there because are. There are. But I've never seen them, one. <laughs> no, you keep them small because of the winters. Praise and the Lord for that. The bug spray. <laughs> we have tons of like chemicals around here. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed we don't have tarantulas or horny toads? I mean, I wish we had tarantulas. Well, tell me about They're really nice. We don't have them because there's these pesticides everywhere. And you can look, there's no horny toads here. There's no tarantulas here. But all you do is drive to New Mexico and you'll see tarantulas and horny toads. So huh. kind of sad. Mm. But anyway, that's just Oklahoma. We've done something to the ground here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, the roaches. I mean, I you couldn't turn your light on at night, man. If you need to go to the bathroom, just keep the lights off because it's oh. bad, man. It's scary. But, but there's this wow. one incident. Anyway. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but I think it was like... We were living across the street. Yeah, it was... Two thousand three, four, something like that. <laughs> I'm standing outside, and all of a sudden, I see Christy running oh, out of her yes. house screaming. <laughs> and I'm like, "What's going on?" So I run over there. My dad runs over there, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Ray comes out again. <laughs> this just horde. It was no thousands. like a bad movie. It looked like a bad movie, a like horror Indiana movie. Like Indiana Jones, the yeah. Temple of Doom. You oh, know, that, that yeah. One scene just like in the beginning. Crawl out. And it was, they just started pouring out of his house. No. And I'm just sitting there like, like as a kid, I was like, what's going on? They start stomping. Stomp, 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 stomp. But you, couldn't even, you couldn't even stomp enough. Well, what's wow. bad is they migrate from like home to home. So you could, yeah. you could bomb your house and they're not well, going to die. The, and they're the just going to go. They're just gonna go to the next house. So your neighbors are like, oh. well, and the houses are right next to each oh, yeah, other. They like share a wall. they, they have a common wall. Wow. So you remember the cats when I was there? When I was living across the street, we lived there two years across the street. You remember the cats? So since the since the one wall is a common wall, the cats will walk through the rafters from house to house. Oh, so if one gets yeah. in down somewhere, it'll go all the way over. And Christy and I had cats meowing and freaking out you know mating and all that crap right above our heads in the middle of the night that is the scariest oh. thing in the world to hear a cat start crying it sounds like a little baby oh yeah like a little, it sounds like a baby and you're like oh man there's a baby there's a baby in my rafter and then it's a cat and then they start squealing and squalling and fighting mm, it's bad anyway the roaches the cats the roaches interesting cats. experience living on that street it was like a little alley it wasn't like a normal street yeah it was a what single they lane they call it a in Spanish, what is that? Uh, Barrio? Alameda. No, the Alameda. Alameda. So like an Alameda is just a little alley. I don't know. Yeah. And, and so then, they like divide. And so I could throw a rock at Arthur's house and he'd come out on the balcony. I'd start my car and I'd open my gate. My gate had this little squeak. And, I, and he'd be like, 
where you guys going? <laughs> so it's like a seven-year-old looking over, and Chrissy's like, you got to oil that gate. <laughs> you got to oil that gate. <laughs> you had an uncanny ability to know when we were leaving the house. <laughs> you could not sneak out. She's so like, where are you going? Can I go with you? <laughs> Aren't you awesome. supposed to be in school, dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes, I was. Yes, I was. Oh, Tell no. us about your school experience um, in Costa Rica. So I was homeschooled. Uh, okay. My mom homeschooled me. Um, and he was begging to go to school because our mom is like incredible teacher, but man. Uh, I'm sorry, mom, but I'm going to say this. Uh-oh. I can't smell coffee without thinking about oh, yeah. school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because coffee my breath. Coffee breath. my mom would be sitting right here yeah. just breathing coffee breath. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, that's why I think where I learned to love coffee, though, because it was kind of like it reminds me of you're my like, childhood. Yeah, like someone leans over your shoulder with a hot coffee breath. You're like, oh, that's home. <laughs> Mine was the opposite because I had horrible school and I, I was an idiot. The English language is <laughs> not fun. <laughs> you didn't get the book smarts. Well, I got street smarts. Yeah, like, but. In the beginning, English was the worst thing. Uh, it was horrible. So even living in Costa Rica, like, is that why she homeschooled you? Is because it was well, a lot of it, we English would travel stuff. so much, okay. and it was it just made more sense for well, when me. When I got there, when he was seven, the dude did not speak English. Like, <laughs> I was shocked because we had a rule in our house growing up that you had to speak English at home because everywhere else was Spanish, and we've seen people lose their English. Mm. And so the rule was speak English at home only. And when we'd speak Spanish, we'd get into trouble. So speak English at home and then Spanish everywhere else. Well, when I got back to the, back to Costa Rica, Arthur, Arthur was seven and he did not speak English. And I was like, and when he spoke, it was super thick accent. It was like, he just got like, he just started just learning. learning. Yeah. And I was like, mom, what do you, what in the world? Well, then I realized when we left home, their ministry took off and people were in their house all the time, every meal for discipleship and counseling and staff meetings. I mean, there was, there was never a time where there weren't people in the house. I think the only time people weren't in the house was dinner time and nighttime. Yeah. And like, so well, Spanish was basically all they spoke. And so I was like, okay, Christy, our mission for the next two years is to speak English to this kid. <laughs> and really by the end of the two years, his English was. Well, perfect. now I don't have an accent yeah. and stuff like that. Well, so. you don't think you do. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever, Oklahoma. It's 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 interesting though. Like even both of you, I don't. I wouldn't in, unless I knew you spoke Spanish and I heard you. I wouldn't know. Like your accent doesn't. You speak English very clearly. And I remember one of the first times I was riding in the car and some lady called you. Hang on, I got to take this. And it was like this. I was like, "What in the world?" I was like, "I don't even know this guy right now." Because you can turn it on, and it's and it's very like when I speak Spanish, what little I know, you know, like Taco this, Bell. This, yeah, it's like a, this a Taco Bell. Like I, I just know, it's like well, it's native speakers are like methodical. this fool. Well, <laughs> like, he's just, tried, like. Good it's try. Methodical. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did. You probably did a lot of translation too. What's well? Here's what's funny. Okay, those first two years when we were trying to to uh, help him with his English, and then he would help Christy with her Spanish. And so Christy would always ask him, "So how do you say this in in Spanish? And how do you say this in Spanish?" And so there were words that Arthur did not know in 
one of the languages. So he would either know it in Spanish or in English, but he couldn't <laughs> translate it. And for him, there were two different things. And uh -huh. so we walked up to this like padlock. It was a padlock on the door. And she goes, how do you say this? How do you say lock in Spanish? And, and Arthur goes, uh, Lockio. <laughs> <laughs> and he was as honest as he could be. And I was Lockio. like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Let's just add that O to it. It will be all right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's funny. So no, what's funny is I, I avoided translating as much as I can. Like yeah. one of the things that jumps out at me was the worst experience of my life. Oh yeah. It was in Cunayala. Uh, well tell us about that. that and where, where is that at? In Costa Rica? Or? No, uh, where Lily was born. Uh, oh, okay. Kuna Islands. Okay. <laughs> this pastor from North Carolina. Oh, and you were alone with him on the island. <laughs> I wanted to kill myself. It was so bad. How old were you? 15. Oh, you were older. 15, uh, 15. Because when did they say Yeah, I was 15. Okay, so what happened there? So what's the context? I mean, why were you well, Why were you with this pastor? My dad, like my, my parents all went to different islands. So okay. my, my dad like pulled me aside. He's like, look, he's going to preach one night and you're going to have to translate. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, no. And he's like, yes, you're going to have to translate. You're the only English speaker. You're here. the only, you're the only Spanish and English speaker. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and finally he convinced me now. And, and I went up to the pastor. I was like, I need everything written down that you're going to say. Do not variate from this <laughs> because your message is going to get screwed up. I'll preach my own messages. Basically oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your well, stuff and I'll mess with it. <laughs> comes, comes the night. Um, well, and you got to put about, context of English yeah. pastors. English well, yeah, pastors I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting that. Well, I'm saying terrible. There it is. <laughs> comes the night. There's about maybe 450 people stuck in this building built for 100 people. Oh, wow. And, and they're I'm, natives and they don't speak Spanish. And they're natives, so they don't speak Spanish. So I'm translating from English to Spanish. There's another guy that's now a missionary in the Kuna Islands. Okay. Uh, translating from Spanish to the Kuna language. So there's a three barriers. So why were you translating in Spanish if because they don't speak he, Spanish? Because, well, to the Kuna guy. Because the English guy was speaking. The English guy was pr preaching. The, pa the, the American pastor was no preaching. No way. So you're translating to us, somebody who understands stands Spanish, and he's translating from Spanish. Oh, no. So like telephone. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, telephone. No. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> it basically gets to Kuna, and who knows what it is. <laughs> so here's the context. American preachers, no matter what field you go to, be it Costa Rica, be it Panama, your jokes do not translate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I kid you not, every time he would tell a joke, all the Americans would laugh. I would not translate the joke. Oh, yes. So you can't. about probably a good 20 minutes of his message was not translated. Oh, no. Well, because they're all they're all contextualized. It, it would have never made American sense culture. to Kuna. Not to Kuna only in Spanish, it would like, make sense. But it you didn't go even make sense to me. Oh, like no. at the time, like I, I didn't. Yep. Like I knew Americans. I, I got it. But at the time, he'd say something, and I'd be like, like I don't understand said. it. It's like what Christy said on Sunday with the Elvis <laughs> joke. I don't know how many people missed it, but oh yeah, uh, you can't translate that. Love meat tender. Yeah, love meat tender. <laughs> it's like you get it now, but as yeah. a, as a kid growing up in Costa Rica, you wouldn't even know what, and not even knowing who Elvis is, I mean, right. you just miss all of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll bet you half of our 
audience was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know who Elvis is and you, you know, know that song. And it's like, yeah. So there, there's that. I'm, I think that was the last time I heard translate. I was like, Dad, I'm never doing that again. That's uncomfortable. That's awkward. It was uncomfortable. So let's back up a little bit and talk about that transition to work in Panama because Ugh. you were in Costa Rica. Your parent, our parents started a church right now, right around the corner from where you lived. Like I, yeah. the the things you got to experience was I what I always wanted to experience. So the difference here was Arthur was born into it. I was not. I was nine when we got to Costa Rica. So for me, it was all an adventure, right? Yeah. And when wow. we when we started the church, we lived so far away from our friends, from the church building, all that stuff, because there was this idea that, oh, you gotta keep things at arm's length. You can't be too close to the ministry, you know? Can't have friends in the ministry, you can't do this. You gotta be, and if you're a missionary, man, you gotta have your like American life and then your local life. Well, I'm, I'm glad that my parents transitioned into a different thought and mindset because when Arthur came along, I mean, they lived, you could throw a rock at the church, which is awesome, which was what I always wanted. So we lived far away, you lived right next door. So my parents started a church there and I got to be a part of that church. That was my church growing up. Well, then when I left home, they started another church. So you were one or two, three, and they had another I church. I remember up the construction the of yeah. that church. Well, it went on for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But it was little by little, you know, every time you had a couple of dollars, you'd put something on there. But anyway, so tell us about that experience because you were lived right behind the church and we're talking behind, there was house, it was a neighborhood. Yeah. And then you had a church on the corner and you guys were in that neighborhood. And then they began to minister up the road and that kind of shifted your life a little bit. So, I mean, it was normal. I mean, I, I didn't know any better. It was, yeah. I was at church constantly, um, all days, every day doing whatever needed to be done while doing homeschooling and everything else. So it was, I mean, it was normal. Um, I didn't really have friends growing up until I was about, 14, what 15. Next door neighbor. I don't, he was your friend. I don't know if he was considered a friend, more of an acquaintance. Well, when you look back, you think he wasn't a friend, but when I was there, he was. you guys were inseparable. Yeah. So well, I think then, as a little kid, he was your friend. Probably. Maybe as a teenager not. Yeah. So my life was just church every day, all day. And then uh, once we started the other church in Santiago del Monte, that was a lot of work because it was in the ghetto, like really in the ghetto, <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And, um, and what's funny is all those, uh, like all the drug dealers and everything else knew my parents and they, they wouldn't mess with my mom, which was, you know, I'm thankful for, but it was a weird experience because I doubt you could do that here in the States. Uh, you know, a white woman. Remember the names of some of those guys? What were the... <sighs> It's one of a, there was two of them, one guy in a wheelchair and one guy would push him. And his name was, the guy oh. in the wheelchair was named Jesusillo. Jesusillo. And the guy that pushed him was Satanás. <laughs> yep. So, so Jesus a, and. Little Jesus and Satan. So little Jesus was oh, in the chair, no. like the wheelchair, and Satan was pushing him around. And they'd rob people. I mean, they were thugs. They were, I, I had, sorry to say thugs, but they were bad dudes. Yeah. Wow. And they wouldn't mess with your mom? No, no, they wouldn't Nobody mess with Nobody would mess with my mom. Yeah. It, was, it was a weird experience. I think. They treated us nice. And I think part of it was the. The foundation we we started way when that neighborhood first started it was like a government housing area yeah and so a lot of people moved in there um from all over the country and we started working like me as a 17 year old i started a, a ministry up there trying to get people and my dad said if you have 100 
the day you have a hundred people on this bus and it was a bus just that would seat 40 people. <laughs> he goes, the day you have a hundred people on this bus, we'll start a church. And when I turned 18 on my 18th birthday, we had a hundred people on that bus. Oh, cool. And so then they started the church right after that, which is pretty cool. So I think that was the reason that our family was a little, was protected up there. Yeah. Uh, Cause we were kind of like, well, we always gave I back. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I remember having clinics and, you know, fairs and food drives and all that. So I think they saw, obviously we're white people, but we're trying to give back and trying to do good. And, you know, most of those people, they say they're religious, but they're not, but they respect it. Like, yeah. especially Catholics. Okay. So it's about, that do you know, good do and, good, yeah. do good deeds. You'll Give be in heaven, community, yeah. you know? Okay. But it was good and bad. Cause you had like, it was a lot of work and it was a community that you became very familiar with. I think <laughs> all your friends live there. So tell us some of the bad of, of being around that because it wasn't, yes, the, the church, the gospel, your parents work was there, but you as a missionary kid and just a kid, tell us some of the bad. Well, I, I witnessed a lot. I mean, I, I saw my fair share of drugs and robbings. And I mean, I saw my first dead body when I was like 13. Wow. Just mm-hmm. on the street. Um, prostitutes. Prostitutes. Yeah. You know, beatings, children living in just hubbles. Oh, man. Yeah. Which is I don't horrible. think anybody can quite understand what poverty is until you walk into one of those communities, like Lajeni, for example. Yeah. There's, there's little communities within this larger community, and there was one, maybe two square blocks that the open sewage... The electricity was on and off. There was no trash service because no one would go in there. It was too dangerous. And it was just, and we have friends that lived in there and yeah. we'd go and stay at their house. And it's like, it's until you kind of experience that, you don't really understand what, what it means to be poor. Well, it's always funny. And when you I was a teenager and a little kid, it probably. Well, when I tell people here in the States, oh, I was born in Costa Rica and all this, they're like. Oh, oh sweet. you grew up in huts and you know, mud oh, huts. For me, I'm they like, were like, oh, you got to live on the beach. You know, that's what people tell I'm me. Like, but, uh, what do they teach you in school? guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know but biggest- it wasn't that, but it was frame houses with metal sheeting on the side, dirt floor. And people lived in that. And a pair of Nikes at the front door. And a pair of Nikes <laughs> in the front <laughs> door. Weird. Wow. That were probably 15 <clears throat> years old and they still look new. <laughs> Well, I'm guilty of that too. Like when I hear, like when I hear missionary, like if you would say, I grew up in Costa Rica, my, my family and I were, were missionaries there. My reaction, often I find myself saying, oh, cool. Like, and to you, you're like, <laughs> maybe some of those experiences, like not so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially as a kid growing up, I mean, it was somewhat normal to you. Um, like you said, it was, it was what it was and it was, you didn't know any different. Um, well, it's an adventure really. Um, but yeah. And I think it could be, I mean, as you're growing up and you see like, what's, what's the biggest question? Like what's the most common question you got as a kid coming back to the States and going to a church about Costa Rica? Cause I'll tell you mine, but tell me what your like the most common question that you got about Costa Rica. That hut. I mean, okay. you live yeah. in, you live in a hut, right? I'm like, I guess what mine was. <laughs> what? Can you climb banana trees? <laughs> oh, I got that one too. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and, 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 and it's funny because I and think I'm before like, we lived know, there, bananas are like this height, right? Well, but also, <laughs> have you have you tried to climb a banana tree? Oh, that that hurts. No, it'll fall over. It's pure water. It's just a stalk. Yeah, oh. it's like an overgrown stalk, and it's. I don't know that I've ever it's seen it's a banana a tree. tree but they're the literally this. They're, they're literally this high, and you can just pluck them. <laughs> you pluck just them pull up. it off. But it's also if you try to climb it, it'll fall over. Oh wow! It's just water. But That's and then if you take that big old clump of bananas, you know that cluster of bananas, <laughs> if you cut it off, you'll fall to the ground because oh yeah, so it's heavy. heavy. We're talking like a hundred and some odd pounds of just wow. bananas. So <laughs> I remember cool. stealing stocks of those. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna take this. <laughs> <laughs> Can't carry it. Can't <laughs> Riding around and playing with them. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> well, here's what's weird about living in Costa Rica is that fruits are everywhere, like fruit oh. trees and banana trees and mangoes and all that stuff. So it's very normal. And this is what I think things shifted over the years, but it's very normal. You walk through a neighborhood down the street, and if someone has a fruit tree, you just go over and take a, a piece of fruit. Like you just basically steal their fruit. Now but that, that I think about it, it's very, it's very communistic. Oranges. It's just like, yeah, it's mine. It's mine too. What's yours is mine. What mine is mine. But it's weird because now they don't do that anymore. Like now it's very like, that's my mango tree. That's my yeah. whatever. So I remember as a kid as a going kid, to uh, Limon. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's this very black community. Like it's weird. It's like a Jamaican. It's like a Jamaican community. settlement community. Wow. They have a bunch of mango trees. And beautiful mango trees. Beautiful. And we go out there with massive black trash bags and fill up like five of them with mangoes and just put them in the car and drive off. <laughs> well, downtown Alajuela, it's the mango uh, capital or the mango city and the trees in the park, like the central park. I mean, they are over, like I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And so you're wow. just walking around and they're so high. You're like, how am I going to get this mango? So you, have these, <laughs> you grab a rock you have these, and like soccer balls. And so you can do it just perfect. Like if you have a soccer ball and a friend, <laughs> this works really well because you'll throw that soccer ball. And if you hit that mango just right, it'll go bing and it'll pop off. But then someone's got to be there to catch it. If it hits, if it hits the ground, it's, it breaks and it smashes. <laughs> Smash everywhere. So anyway, that's interesting growing up like that. So you're in this community and as a kid, it's one thing, but as you get older, I mean, what are the, what are some of the bad, I mean, just the opportunities, I guess I could say. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the, the first church, it, it got, my parents gave it to another guy and he started, he was the full-time pastor and he started preaching and everything. And for years we thought he was okay. And, um, well, the first pastor was actually, well, I'm not talking about it now. No, you're talking about the third pastor third yeah well i'm not talking about mohawk freak and no i'm talking i'm talking specifically you know who i'm talking I about know who you're talking about <laughs> but i'm talking about there was this one the first pastor <laughs> he left the church and years later i see him and he's decked out in leather uh -huh. mohawk up to here really? like he's a rock and he, but he's in his like 40s at the time and i'm like holy crap dude <laughs> what happened wow i, I don't know but so so was that, and was that a real honest about church stuff so when he says <laughs> i'm not talking about that freak i mean we're talking within a context <laughs> of looking back at a church situation and being pretty black and white you know yeah. what I'm saying? Arthur's a pretty black and white guy. So when we say freak, we're not being insensitive. He's not even being insensitive. No. It's just the reality of if I if I offend life. you, I don't mean to, I'll do it to your face, you know. 
<laughs> Ruben knows that, and I know not, that too. <laughs> not saying anything that he wouldn't say in front of you. Yeah. Um, so the third, the third pastor, I guess. And was this a like a a native? Yeah, Costa Rican yeah, pastor. Yeah, yeah, Costa Rican. Actually, Nicaragua. Was but he, he was, but he was, he'd lived in Costa Rica for yeah. a long time, but he was in Nicaragua. So we okay. thought he was doing great. I mean, he was that he was one of the people that were constantly at my house and were heavily involved. Yeah, him and his wife. Um, one day, I remember because it was nighttime and my parents left. They're like, we'll be back in a couple of hours. They came back and they wouldn't talk about it. Huh? And I'm like, what's going on? This is weird, you know? Didn't know about it. Next day, they wouldn't talk about it. Finally, I'm like, what is going on? Well, you snuck downstairs. And <laughs> and how old were you at this time? 12, I 12. think, maybe. Okay. 13. 12, 12 yeah. 13. So you, I mean, you understood things that were going on. It wasn't, you weren't like I, young, young. I understood it, but I still couldn't grasp it. Okay. Is, is a good sense. And uh, come to find out, they accused my parents of stealing, being hypocrites, being... Only in Costa Rica for the money, um, which we were poor. I mean, <laughs> everything that we got from churches was put back into the ministry. Yeah. Like we had enough to pay for food. I didn't want for anything. Like I always had clothes and stuff like that, but everything else was ministry. So that really, that's when I started questioning God. Okay. And being like, why would God allow this to happen mm. to my parents? They'd done nothing wrong. And so that's when I started not going out of the way, but I started being like, I want to be less involved in church. And that was the beginning of that. Um, then a couple of years later, we're in Santiago del Monte, the second church. And I mean, the that first church, we boarded it up. It sat there for years. And yeah, that was in... I'm trying to think of the year because things kind of get confusing because we were there. Christy and I were there. Um, we had actually started a church. So it had to be after 2009 because we started in 2007. Yeah. Um, so I don't know when it was. I don't know exactly when all this went down. I can't remember. I, I get confused because a lot of weird, hard things were happening at that time in our life in general. Yeah. But, and, um, but yeah, there was a the, – the church actually didn't survive the – no. The chaos, and so I think this is the sad thing. Because this is the church I grew up in, you know, as, as a as a twelve year old, as mom and dad started this church, and we, you know, they, like you said, they're they're always there. Now, my experience was different because I did school at home. I didn't do school at the church, and I know no. yours was different. So that was just your life, but well, a well, church that was your home church where you were born, and and really, I think my parents thought it would survive the the, the storm. No, they thought it would survive the storm. And really that one meeting on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, that one meeting decimated the church. Yeah. And my dad showed up that next Sunday to keep the church, you know, going, whoever's going to come and no one came. Yeah. And so it was done. So that church got boarded up. Like you said, I mean, the church that had been open for 20 plus years just got boarded up and done. And so, what really messed me up, it was people that I grew up with. I mean, there was a lady that I'd call her my grandma and I'm like, Wow. Okay, you're Satan. Wow, you're wow. literally, and she looks like Satan now. If I, well, hopefully she's dead. I mean, oh my word! <laughs> but um, that really messed me up. And in my family, we don't talk about hard things. <laughs> we um, we try to keep that to the down low. 
And, uh, like I never had the sex talk. I never, I don't do drugs. And I never, I never had those conversations because I think my parents thought if we talk about it, it'll happen type of type of situation. So I never talked about it and it just started eating me up inside. You know, I started, I became very angry and I, I think you noticed it. I think everybody noticed it. I was just angry person and for years, I mean, and you think he's a teenager. So you're like, ah, oh, he's just a teenager. I <laughs> like a teenager, but it, it wasn't just a teenager. No. And, um, that's when I tried them. My first drugs was a couple of years later. I was, I think I was 14, 15, okay. um, tried my first drugs and it kind of messed me up. Like in a, I thought in a good way at the time, because it was like, man, I feel pretty good right now. This mm. is nice. It's like, okay. Okay. Cause it turned off some of the anger. It turned off some of the anger. And was that pretty prevalent? Like in the community where you're at, like, was it easy, <sighs> oh, easy yeah. access? Oh, yeah. Like you could just oh, go yeah. find it. Okay. Oh yeah. Up, I in, mean, that, up in that other neighborhood yeah. and maybe in the one where you grew and, up too. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't really notice it there, but in the one up in the other one, yeah, for sure. So it was very easy access. Um, and that was, I think I was 14, 15. I started going downhill. I mean, I started doing drugs, smoking. I didn't really drink. I didn't, I never liked the taste of it until I was older. Um, but that, that really messed me up. Um, it was, but did you hide it or was it something that, oh yeah, I hid it. I mean, cause I can't even imagine, I'm trying to imagine as a, you know, 14, 15 year old at home, you know, experimenting with drugs and then still going through the motions of everything you're going through the motions of. Cause I mean, you I'm had church and you had parents and friends and all that stuff. So maybe your friends were involved with you too. I don't know, but, I mean, <laughs> but it's like, you're still in church and you're still yeah. serving and you're still, well, it was very, missionaries and, it was very two faced on my part. Okay. Was, so you took a step back from like, cause you saw what happened to your parents. You took a, you took a little step back and said, you know, I don't know that I want to be that involved. Which was funny because I was very involved. I think it was to the core of questioning God. I don't know if it was uh, yeah. necessarily involved in the church stuff. Okay. It was like, I started questioning God's existence okay. and meaning and yeah, purpose, I guess would be the, the right thing. And I, at the time, now I knew I was very depressed, but I didn't know depression existed at the yeah. time. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. So looking back, I was like, man, I was very depressed. And I think that's what stemmed the anger because I didn't understand the feelings I had and I didn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. And the drugs quieted everything. Yep. Okay. They, they, they shut off the voices in the back of my head yeah. saying, Hey, you know, you're worthless. Where's your God now? Stuff like that. Wow. And so I became a very good actor, a very good liar. Um, there was like situations where I knew I had to act a certain way. So I did. And just my brain would switch to that persona. Um, that's why when I moved to Oklahoma, I promised myself that I would never lie again. That's why I'm overly honest <laughs> and don't hold back anything. Well, cause you lived your, a lot of your life. Oh yeah. As a, well, if the, if the voices are there, yeah. You're as a, as a, you're tempted to think, well, you're a fraud, you yeah. know, like, and 
that's that's a I understand that. So were your parents still that the church was boarded up mm-hmm. and then did they started is that when they started the, the other one or the other one was already going? The, the other one was already going. going. Okay. And it's been it was going for maybe a good while, ten years. I mean, since I mean the one up there since nineteen I mean it had some starts and stops, but the very yeah. first time it started was in nineteen ninety six, five, yeah. six. So it had been going for a while. Okay. And um around that time was when my dad jumped in on the Panama thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that came around. Like I honestly, oh, 2005, sorry, 2005 is yeah. when the Panama thing started, but it was during that transition. Yeah. Like yeah, you were, exactly. cause I remember you as a happy go lucky. I'm actually going to look for a video and post it, a link to it so people can see it. But he's a, Arthur's a little kid. Like, I don't know how old, but he's stomping through the jungle. There's some slow-mo footage of him. It's really cool. And you see that happy go lucky, very, you know, very positive kid to a teenager that you can tell is now he, now he says depressed, which is true. Um, just went through a lot of pain and crap, you know, that's in the, that's in church world, the church experience as a, as an, as a, as a missionary kid and as a pastor's kid, both of those at the same time, it's a, sometimes it can be really difficult and challenging. Yeah. But like in 2006, he started the, um, the, or 2005, I think he went on his first trip to Panama and he was just going because some missionary had been bugging him forever to go. Yeah. And he only knew one one person there. He was bugging him to go out here. My dad really just did it out of obligation. But when he went, he came back from that trip. If you remember, man, he was straight messed up. Like, just like, I don't know what God just did to me, but he just flipped my world upside down. And so he wouldn't stop talking about it. Like he told me when he first got back, man, we just need to pray that God would send someone there. And I'm telling you, he would not stop for a year where I was like, dad, would you just be quiet about these Kuna people? And a year later, I finally went with him just to get him off my back, you know? <laughs> and it's an interesting, I mean, it is an interesting place because it's about a, I mean, they're back in time now. I don't know, but I mean, back in, when we first went, I mean, it was mud huts, exactly what they asked us about Costa yeah. Rica. That's what this Kuna <laughs> thing was, is like mud huts, thatch roofs, you know, dirt floors, hammocks, naked Indians. I mean, that was really the experience fishing and you eat what you catch, you know? Yeah. So, um, so Arthur, I think it was an adventure because dad would began to, I mean, starting in 2007, I think dad began to make trips there. Um, I went in 2006, I took Christy there in 2007, January, 2007. And then I started going like, I don't know how many times I've been out there. Um, so in the context of it, when he's talking about translating for that American pastor, it started on one Island cause there's a bunch of islands. There's a chain of islands in Panama called there's the Samblas islands, 375 islands yeah. and, and about I think 160, 50, I think 50, 50, hundred it's in the hundreds. Well, there may be a couple people on some of them, but actually villages there's 50 on the islands and then there's mm-hmm. some on the mainland, but there's probably people, all the islands are theirs. It's their, it's a, it's a province and they're self-governed. Had an uprising in the nineteen twenties, and they they were allowed to be self governed. Um, very short um, indigenous people, yeah. and uh, really special people. I mean, obviously, I for me, they're really special. My daughter is a kuna, <laughs> but here is what ticks me off. This is totally just on the side note. When when we were there, it was called Kuna Yala, K U N A Kuna, and there were kuna oh, they people. changed the name, and now they have some scholars that went in and understood the language and they're rewriting their alphabet 
and now they're called Guna with a G, G-H, Guna. So it's Guna Yala. And I'm like, my daughter's not a Guna. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the ministry, though, went from one location to, I mean, I don't even know how many items we ended up on, 30 or something. I don't know how many. And so every January, February, and March, we would have a vacation Bible school every week on a different island. Oh, wow. And so you do kids ministry in the morning, youth in the afternoon, adults in the whole island in the evening because they had work and stuff like that. And some of the islands had a couple hundred people on them to one of the biggest ones that was like 6,000 people on it. Yeah. And so it just depends on which community. So our workforce began to thin out. And so every week we would do four or five different islands at a time so that we can get them all by the end of the, by the end of the season. And so I would get on an Island, Arthur would get on an Island. Um, my dad and mom would separate and be on different islands. Um, we'd get people from the States, from Ecuador, from Venezuela, from Costa Rica, from Panama, from all over the place to go with us so we can make this happen. A lot of fun for me because I only went two weeks a year and Arthur ended up going 12 weeks a year. I mean, yeah. it was like, wow. Once it started, so in the beginning, it was, it was in the beginning, it was fun. It was yeah. it, like he said, it was an adventure. I was trying something new. Um, I don't know if you were 12 or 11. I don't know how old you were when they first I started. Don't know. I don't know. Uh, what's funny is that those three months were the only times in the year that I was sober. <laughs> wow. Later. Yeah. Once you, <laughs> Later. Yeah, once, once I started doing it. Um, and it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, but towards the end, I was getting burnt well, out. I was getting sick. And, and um, I, the, the last time I went, was with a church, um, Golden, Texas. Uh, oh, yeah, Manila. Yeah. Yeah. With a church from Golden, Texas, which I had a bunch of friends there. Um, that was the last time I went. Was that the boat trip? No, that was a different trip. Oh, okay. Uh, that was the last time I went, and I got super sick. Like, I had to get, I had to go to the hospital, um, get IVs and everything else. And, uh, I, it, I was horrible. And that was the last time I went. I think, my mom was like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> and how old were you about that time? Oh, I was 16. Yeah. I think so was you're like this teenager, you know, leading teams and VBSs and like on, it wasn't even on not believing in God. Like, wow. Well, <laughs> and and not believing not even, in what I preached. <laughs> well, and it's not even that he had a choice. I think that's where it kind that's, of gets frustrating yeah. is that he was never given the option. Like it wasn't his choice to do it. It was just like, this is what you're doing. It's, it's, it was what you did. Yeah. Like you didn't know any different. Yeah. And well, then, he didn't and, even know he could say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Well, and the, towards the end, like, like I said, I, I was preaching something that I didn't believe in. Like mm -hmm. towards the end, I, I was like, if God's the real, last time I went. if God's real, he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about the situation that we're in. Wow. So i I, I thought of God, like the God raw where he was just judgmental and plagues and all that. That's how I thought of God. Okay. And so that, that was the last time I went. And then the next year I was 17 and in December I moved to the States. I moved to Ohio. Uh, I wonder okay. if some of the, I wonder if I want to go back. I, I want to talk about the Kuna one more just for a second, because I wonder if some of it uh, that you experienced was like a compassion fatigue. Um, the first time you go, it's really eye opening and shocking and, and uh, it messes with you. And then you can be hot, sweaty, no food, no drink for, you know, five, six days. And within an hour, you're in air conditioning, as much food and water as you want, 
modern. And it, 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 I don't think humanity is meant to go from extremes. And we just, in from one moment to the next, you're somewhere completely different. And then a few hours later, you're back in the States and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. You know? So, and I wonder if well, some of the... I can pinpoint exactly when I lost interest. Mm-hmm. And it was, there's an island that has two communities on it. Mm-hmm. And it's cut down right in the middle. And they have a bridge, uh, and right? they, No, oh, it's, the, it's the one that's on land. Oh, or okay, not okay. land, but it's uh, an island yes, and it's yes. just cut yeah, down. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. One side... Decent people, great people. Uh, that's actually where the guy that translated uh, Spanish from Kuna, he's a missionary there now. Okay. Like he started a church. Um, and then there's the other side. Worst experience of my life. Like kids were cussing at me, which I didn't know what it was until I asked somebody, hey, what does this mean? Oh, don't say that. That <laughs> means this. Yeah. So they were literally cussing at me. And I was like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. I don't want to be here. It's hot. I'm trying to play games with you, but if you don't care, I'm I'm done. And I I I can't remember if, who I told, but I was like, look, I'm switching to island. I switching. I'm not doing. This. I'm crossing the line. To I'm the crossing other the nice line. Community. Yeah. <laughs> and it's six feet over that way, and I'm going. <laughs> there was a straight border right there. <laughs> no, and sometimes you go to those islands like that that are like those, and it's stark, and you're like, okay, I'm just like six feet away what how is this so different even when the it's colors hilar- are different it's hilarious because they don't mix either no like, they don't even like cross they don't even cross and i'm like this is the weirdest crap ever wow well i remember the last time i went you went with me and i think it was maybe after you were done with everything <laughs> and you, i think you were but this when that that i have that video that i post every year about you pulling that tree down yeah. funny um but that was the one experience that i knew you did not enjoy it but we had a great week like we had fun. Well, it was the people. And it was, it was, yeah, the, it people was the people that, that I went with. Yeah. It was Esteban. I don't think, have you ever met Esteban? Nope. Not yet. Well, Esteban, Gerald, uh, Gerald. you, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll have to post that video. The, the three Costa Ricans in the whole group, it's like three in the morning at the airport waiting to go to Kuna. And we're watching Happy Happy Tree Friends, which I don't know if you know what that is. Uh-uh. It's this cartoon that is the goriest crap ever. Oh no! And it's three Costa Ricans, and we're laughing like we're about to pee head. ourselves. And everybody's head. just looking around at us. It's like three in the morning, you're like you shouldn't be this happy. You know, it was like you were like drunk happy yeah, because yeah, it's so happy. early. And yeah. Just, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good trip. Like, no, but it was because of the people. Yeah. Like, uh, and we had a good time. The and I, got some I mean, pictures. I, <laughs> I got some pictures of you, you know, circling up kids. You said you weren't going to be involved, and I've got some pictures of you circling up kids and playing with them. Well, and, because you got to do it right. I mean, if you're well, going to do I, it, you got to do it right. But it was fun <laughs> for me. That was, but I think that was the last time I went. Uh, was that that yeah. trip was the last time I went? Um, all right. So fast forward. So you. So here's here's my thought, and this we've had this conversation quite a bit. Is like you lived an adventure that I wanted to live, and you hated it. Yeah. And, and I think going to the islands and this is, it'll mess with you. Two things you live as an American Christian, quote unquote, and you learn things about God, but you put it in the context of being an American Christian. And so God's blessing is based on air conditioning and a nice building and padded seats. And, and so you have this Christian context. Well, then you go either on a trip or you live somewhere else and you're like, okay, um, I thought God was this stuff. And so you go out to the islands 
and it frustrated me. The first time I went, I was not not happy. Um, <laughs> I remember. I was there for 10 days. <laughs> I visited a bunch of islands. I went into the jungle. I was really not happy about it because I got mad at God and the people. Because I was like, people are choosing to live out here in the jungle when a few hours away they could go to a hospital, not be sick. I mean, they were they were malnourished. They were sick with things that you can fix really quickly. And I said, and, and part of your mental game is you wrestle with it and you're like, okay, so I thought God cared about everyone the same. And yet there's these people out here in the jungle that they're living terrible. But if you go back and you stay and you see them, they're happier than a lot of Americans I've, I've met sure. because they're content in their situation and they don't know any different. They don't know any better. But then they meet Jesus and it truly radically changes the situation. But I don't know. I don't know if you can really separate and really understand what's happening because an American going on a mission trip, you go for a week, you leave and it, it makes an impact and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I don't live that way. That's not what God wants you to see when you go on a mission trip that, oh, I'm so glad I don't live that way. It's like <laughs> these people are living in the jungle or living in La Jenny, you know, in Costa Rica <laughs> and actually they're okay. You know, they're yeah. not, they're not as, it's not as bad as what it could be, you know, cause I think there's some emotional, there's some psychological, there's some depression, there's stuff that really gets you in affluence, but when you tie it to God and then you see someone living something else, it really messes you up. And I think maybe that's some of your experience. Cause as you're growing, things are not consistent. Uh, maybe in your own life, but also in seeing what you see in the island, seeing what you see back home in Costa Rica, drugs, and then getting into alcohol and all that stuff is a, it's not consistent. Yeah. Well, I, and I didn't, I didn't really get into alcohol until I moved to the States. Like, because I mean, drugs were, I didn't know anybody <laughs> yeah. in Costa Rica. I could point at somebody and be like, Hey, mm-hmm, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the most fascinating thing because you, and then there's another guy that I know that I, I was really good friends with for a long time and he was on this rehab journey. So I would walk with him through rehab and we'd just be walking downtown. He'd be like, see that guy over there? He's got drugs. See that girl over there? She's got drugs. Yeah. See that dude over there, the taxi guy? He's got drugs. And I'm like, how in the heck do you know? Go ahead and answer it. Cause I, they just called me. So I have a question. It's probably over there. So it's like interesting to me that you have, um, what's it called? The I for, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, I'm laughing, but it's really not that funny. Well, I, I can, I can tell here in the States now too. Do like, can you really? Oh Jeez. yeah. Like, and what's funny is I'm, I'm going to make a generalization right now, but it's not true. Like not everybody. Right. But when I moved to Oklahoma and started working at Rudy's mm. about 70% of those Mexicans that I was working with always had a little bit of cocaine in their wallet. That's interesting. And it's the weirdest thing. Oh, you think it's culture or you think, what do you think it's is? It's very culture. Hmm, like, because. find out what's going on with that. Well, because I, I, I asked, I asked that Mexican that I was living with, uh, Fernando, I was like, do they do this in Mexico too? And he's like, oh yeah, everybody has a little bit of cocaine in their, in their wallet. Culture. And I think it's culture. Because there used to not be a stigma, you know, hundred years ago with cocaine. Yeah. It's a new stigma. Hmm, interesting. So it's a, it's a weird thing. So what so, was your question? You said you had a question. Well, I'm thinking through like your story when you were 12 years old, your parents had that experience and just like really, and you had the question, man, God, like how can, if God who is who 
I grew up knowing him to be or being taught about God, who he is, why would he, I can't believe he would allow something like my family to go through this. Here we are living in, you know, dirt floors, tin, tin siding, all this stuff that is an American. You'd be like, that's a, that's a sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like you're giving of your life so that people can hear about this God who you've grown up knowing and, and being taught who he is. And I wonder, you know, you mentioned something about it. Like, I think the danger is like, we've created a God and then taught people that it's, that this is God. And we've hitched people to mm-hmm. a God that is not the God of the Bible. Right. Cause you think like the, even that statement, like if, like how could God allow something like this to happen says I had this image that mm-hmm. God, God's goodness is based on nothing bad ever happening to me. And so if, if his goodness is hitched to my success or my ease of life, then when life gets hard and struggles happen, then my immediate reaction is I'm now questioning the goodness of God. I'm not questioning the character of God because I've believed something that God never said is true. Well, and you question, you question God based on the response of other people too. Because one yeah. of my thoughts during that time was how could these people claim to know God and act this way? Yeah. And so yeah. then it's a question of God really <laughs> instead of the, just the hearts of those people. Well, now, yeah. 22 years later... I've come to realize that God gives us situations. <laughs> when I was 12, or no. <laughs> you just made yourself 38. <laughs> whatever. 20 years later, okay. whatever. <laughs> You're still not 32. No. <laughs> whatever. He's bad at math. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I can't do math in the morning. I it's, too you. Early. Oh, it's too early. I, I, was, anyway, I was in. All this time later. All this time later. <laughs> That's what you say, I've, man, without I've, throwing yourself out there. I don't all care. this time later. <laughs> I deal with math every day at work, so it's bad. I know. It's <laughs> All this time later, I've come to realize that God gives us situations that we can rise above. He's not going to give us more than we can handle. I think it was a situation for my parents and not me, but I kind of went because I thought it was me. Hmm. Hmm. And that's. But you were caught up in the collateral damage of it all. I was. Yeah. And it affected. But I don't think. It affected your young faith. And I wonder if it was like already there and this just sped it up i think so yeah because i mean you were gonna go through something eventually yeah Yeah. i i I never understood i never understood what god was and that that was my biggest issue because i was you know living with latins latins think god is this you know old man in the sky with a giant beard saying hey holy are thou you know mother mary goes yeah she'll save you i mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I had these different aspects of religion and, um, it, it, when that situation happened, it really messed me up. I was just like, you know, screw this. I guess nothing really matters. Wow. And that carried over moving to the States. Well, yeah. and from people you put it on God. So you took what you experienced from people and put it on God yeah. because God was those people were, I mean, the reflection of God were those people. Yeah. You didn't have a personal thing of God. It was more like, hey, that's those people. Yeah. That's that's what God is. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Well, and you grew up in a in a system of doing things. And that's what I, I it's it's 
interesting to me that you can go to a Kuna Islands and put on these VBSs. And you said yourself, like I was teaching things that I myself didn't even believe um, was true. And so that's a systematic thing. That's a, that's something that you're like, like here's it's scripted. It's like, this is what I need to say because this is what I've been told is right and good yet. I don't even believe it, but if it's working with, with these people, then why hold it back from them, whatever. And then you had that encounter with, you know, the two different communities and you were like, this is crap. Like this isn't working with this, these people. So I'm out. Yeah. Like the moment you saw, cause you said that was a defining moment in your life. The moment you saw this stuff that I'm teaching that should be working is no longer working, not only for myself, but these people and I'm being cussed out and here I am spending my time and in hot weather without air conditioning, going without food and water and, and like the essentials of life so that I can teach these people something that should be working or transformative for them. And it's not see ya yeah like that's interesting well and just the wear and tear of you doing this week in on week out every year for years and i don't know how many years we did it it was long i mean it's probably i mean at least a decade yeah almost a decade yeah so and, and incredible results and incredible ministry and experience there it was really awesome but my time i look back on it i reflect on it all the difficulties all the stuff that messes with your brain still some good experiences, but it's traumatic. And so even when I think about, oh, I'm going to go back, well, I'm going to think about it. Cause it's, it's a, it was a strange experience. I keep saying, I'm going to take Lily back one of these days so she can kind of experience it. But even that gives me a little bit of like, yeah. you know, um, so let's, let's continue forward. So you had those experiences, Costa Rica experience, you were already experiencing with drugs, experimenting with drugs. You were already in your head thinking, okay, I'm going to go back to the States. You have that option. Cause you're Biling, or you're a bilingual and well, multicultural, multi. It was an uh, interesting situation because I would have stayed in Costa Rica. Uh -huh. Like I would have stayed, but that year that I moved to the states, how seventeen? You were 17? seventeen. Seventeen yeah. uh, was when the Jamaicans came in, and those guys weren't playing around. Came in where? To Costa Rica. Uh, to the Costa community? Rica community. Oh, didn't know that. The guy that drive uh, drove around in a Hummer. Oh, Jamaican. Really? He, he took over the the drug industry there, uh, and well, we have several um, people we know really close to us that were murdered. Yeah, um, and he started killing off people, and I'm like, you know what? I need to get out like now. Um, well, some real real kids your age. Oh you know, yeah, one guy we had a funeral for a couple, you know, several years ago, but he was friends of mine. I mean, they were friends of yours, they, your they age, your contemporaries. Yeah, another guy um, got shot in the leg, and yep. another guy got anyway. And yeah. so during that time, I was like, I need to get out. Like, you know. I need to try to change my life. So, uh, my brother, Jeremy, he offered me a job, uh, there in the States, uh, installing doors and windows. So I moved to, uh, Ohio in December. Oh, worst mistake of my life. Yeah. Um, didn't have winter clothes. Talk about a climate <laughs> change. That, uh, oh, lake yeah. effect. <laughs> it was like, it, I think when I walked off the plane, I think it was like 20 degrees. Oh, you yeah. went from 72 to 20. <laughs> um, so I, st I, I started working there, lived there. Um, it was a good time. Uh, my sister-in-law, she's awesome. Like she's one of the nicest people I've ever way met in my life. Nice. Like way too nice. Um, 
and my brother you know he helped me out a lot and um that's when i started drinking got heavily into drinking because um, drugs weren't as accessible or in the beginning okay um and then i started making i made a friend uh he's i won't say his name but we got really close and um we fed off each other okay he's a he was an alcoholic a drug addict i was an alcoholic and a drug addict so we fed off of each other and then um <laughs> Sorry. I was just taking a picture yeah, and he's blocking his face. <laughs> um, and that started growing. And that's when I really became an alcoholic. But what's funny is I stopped for a little bit because I started dating this uh, chick. Um, went to the same church. Lovely person. I mean, I thought so at the time. Um, so I stopped kind of drinking, stopped acting out got involved in church and stuff like that. And, uh, we broke up and her parents started a rumor in church that I was abusive, that I did all this. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Screw you. And everybody in the church knew. And there was one guy that came up to me. He's like, Hey, I know this isn't true. Like I know you. Um, but I just want you to know that they're saying this about you. And what really pissed me off was that the pastor knew and he didn't come to me. Uh, so I went and talked to the pastor and I was like, you know what? This is wrong. The Bible says that you need to come to the person, not listen to rumors. And uh, I kind of cussed him out, uh, walked out, didn't go to church for five years. Um, so Ohio is not a big, big story in my life at this point. Um, lived there for three, four years and then, uh, moved to Colorado and that's where <laughs> bad things happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You moved with our brother. Then he moved over there with a job and then you moved with him, um, yeah. to Colorado with Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the last six years. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, moved to Colorado and I mean, Colorado, you can buy weed anywhere. Yeah. With weed, you can buy anything. So really fell off the deep end with drugs, every type of drug. I was taking it. Um, that first year I lived, there, I think I lived there three years. That first year I lived there, had an apartment. I was doing all right. I mean, I was heavily in involved I think in it was drugs. Just a year and a half. I don't think you lived there longer than a year and a half because you've been here three years and that was six years ago. Yeah. So there's a lot that happened. Yeah. A short time. <laughs> I know. So about a year and a half, I think. So, um, but you I, had an apartment and then you didn't. I had an apartment and then the next week I was homeless. Wow. Um, my homelessness story is different than most people's because I always had a job. I was always on time. I was a good worker. Um, but I cared more about drugs. Hmm. So, um, homeless for a year in, in Colorado. Um, during that time, uh, I met a chick at, uh, Red Rock Amphitheater, listened to 21 pilots. 
Hmm. Um, <laughs> I was heavily out of my mind at the time. And I saw her cross, and it was like a, a light from God shining on her. I was like, I'm going to go now talk you know to her. Now you day. know it wasn't from God. But. It should have been from the down, down <laughs> and light up. Light from Satan. Oh, wow, <laughs> Lucifer. Uh, I saw her, and I was like, man, she's beautiful. I'm going to go talk to her. Started talking to her. Um, started dating her. And three months into the relationship, kind of find out she's a Wiccan. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that have no people that are Wiccans, but they're not really like she did she things like yeah. she she was a witch, like she could do things. And I was just well, like, well, the thing about this is interesting because you'd been you left that church in Ohio and you hadn't even darkened the door of a church in years. I stopped believing in God. During yeah, that time. just all of it completely yeah. gone. Yeah. And um, I started dating her and uh saw things, experienced things that made my faith in God come back, hmm. which was is very funny to me. Um, I mean, I went to Satanist church. I got baptized. Lord. <laughs> well, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's a lot of blood. Um, wow. And just experienced things. And, and for most of that experience, I was – high i mean i was taking drugs and uh tripping on everything else and um one of the defining factors towards the end that made me move was i saw some like demons like like actual things in the room with me with her and i was like you know what <laughs> i need to get out <laughs> Wow. Well, and I, I just to cut in here for a second. Um, as far as I know, this is the first time you're talking about this. Yeah. And I don't. I don't, say I don't know name. who's listening, and I don't know if our family and extended family and friends and stuff. It's heavy, and I know Arthur is chuckling a little bit, but it's more about about the uncomfortable awkwardness of it. Um, you know, he he laughs when it's uncomfortable. And so it's not that he thinks it's funny. It's just that it's just a natural response. And I also, I, I want to acknowledge something too, that, um, talking through this is probably really good. Um, good for you and good for other people, because there's people that go through all sorts of experiences. I think there's people that go through, um, toying with the idea that you have, that God is not real, walking away from it all, running as far as you can, even trying as far as you can. And even in the midst of the darkness, um, I think the pursuit of God is still there. And I, and I, I think I was talking to somebody over the weekend that people say, Oh, I thank God for my upbringing because my upbringing is where I found God. And I'm like, well, actually people that are atheists and people that are running and don't even know, have no upbringing of God, God finds them too. So it's not, I think God finds us in spite of where we are. And so whether it's in a legalistic church or it's in a satanic uh, what's it called? Ceremony Experience or, or ceremony or whatever. God, all powerful, not the one we've fabricated, but actually God can find us anywhere. So, um, what you actually were dating a witch and what conversation did you have with her or not have with her when you're like, I'm out. I didn't have a conversation with her. Oh, you didn't have a conversation with her. <laughs> so you just so, ghosted her. <laughs> so at, at to this point, 
I have tried almost every drug except like heroin or, or, or crack. Um, towards the end of when I moved back to Ohio, which was the biggest mistake of my life, um, I tried heroin. And I, I was high for five days straight and you try to work while you're high. That's, that's hard to do. Uh, but I did it. <laughs> I can't believe you're saying that moving to Ohio was the biggest mistake of your life up until this point. <laughs> that, hard to that should, that should tell you <laughs> a whole <crap>. lot. <laughs> that's not funny, but it's kind of like, holy smokes, um, I'm dating a witch. I've tried every drug and it's not the worst thing that ever happened to me. Holy crap. Ohio. Was. Alrighty. Um, Nothing so at, the, at, this, Sorry, at this point, I'm, I'm sitting out of my mind in a church where a dude's spouting about Satan is great. And wow. she's sitting next to me and I'm seeing things. And I, I can't say for a fact they weren't my imagination, but I don't think they were. Mm. Um, and I was seeing things and I was just like, I need to get out. Like, and at this point, like I, I believed in God, but I didn't think he cared. Yeah. So I was like, if I don't get out, I'm going to be dead. You know, I'm, I'm done. You're kind of agnostic and agnostic is like, yeah, there's a, there is a God, I, I was but very I don't know agnostic. if we can know him. Yeah. I don't know if we can know him. Yeah. Um, and so from one day to the next, I ghosted her and drove to Ohio. Hmm. Um, wow. From Colorado. From Colorado. On the way to Ohio, I called everybody, my whole family, and I said, hey, <laughs> Ray th thought I was joking him, uh, with him. I couldn't believe I, it. I was like, this is probably be the last time you'll you'll hear from me. And um, I remember where I was. I was on May Avenue at OnQ on May, North May, sitting at OnQ at the gas station, and I get a call from a guy that never calls. Like, I don't even know how many times we had talked to him in the previous two, three years. And it was a number that you threw away. So you called from an old number and you said, you'll never hear from me again. Yeah. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. And it was, um, I talked to my sister about this about a couple months ago and she's like, it was like you were saying goodbye. And I was oh, like, it was it, it I was, was saying goodbye. Was, like I didn't think I, I'd if you remember, you. I tried to keep you on the phone. We talked for a bit, like quite a while. Yeah. Cause I could not wrap my mind around whatever you were doing. Cause I didn't know what you were doing. I didn't know what you were going through. I didn't know you were homeless. I didn't know you were dating a witch. I didn't know you were <laughs> a drug addict. I didn't know any of that stuff. Cause you didn't share that. I'd gone to Colorado and seen you and you would come up with some excuse not to come over or I'd see you real quick. And so I didn't really know. I knew you were in a dark place, but I had no idea. So when you were calling to say goodbye, I was, there was, I didn't, there's all sorts of crazy things going through my mind. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I say goodbye to everybody and I get to Ohio. I had talked to people I knew. I had a job waiting for me. Um, still homeless. I mean, uh, in Ohio where it's cold about mm. nine months out of the year. Yeah. So I'm sleeping in my car, all this stuff. And that same dude that we would feed off of each other, got back with him, started feeding off of each other again. Uh, I remember driving, um, I think after about five months, he offered me a job and I started working for with him. That was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember driving, working all day, stopping at a gas station, buying two tall boys 
and on the way back to the shop drinking the two tall boys with them while we were driving i'm like how are we not dead (laughs) wow Wow. like thinking back on it now i'm like how did we not die your brain doesn't work properly (laughs) and so heavily involved in drugs at that point too uh didn't know what to do um and i kind of gave up like i was just going through the motions and and not knowing what to do and i had said goodbye to my family and i was like um well they they probably think i'm dead i didn't talk to them for a couple years now after that point after you made that those phone calls Mm -hmm. so it's been a couple years yeah i think a year and like six months or something like that i didn't talk to them um so i'm struggling with all that i'm like i don't know what to do i i honestly don't know and um my relationships with people were just flawed um i think the amount of drug use really messed with my empathy towards people Mm -hmm. because i really don't have any like if i see somebody struggling i can understand mentally but i'm like get over it dude (laughs) well after i mean you compile all the events of your life living in a third world country being a part of the things that you're a part of seeing and experiencing some of the things that you experienced from other people you've i mean I, I think looking back on it and taking a second to actually like process the events of your life, that makes a lot of sense that you're like, mm, like I'm not worried about your, your dog. Like that's, that's sick. Yeah. Like I've experienced a lot of crap in my life and a lot of hard stuff and some choices of your own, oh. some choices of other people, a lot of choices of your own. And you've, you found yourself in situations that are just that no, there are limited amount of people that could even say, oh yeah, even that could even sympathize with you or empathize with you. Yeah. Cause you're like, uh, I don't know what it's like to be baptized in the sa- satanic church. <laughs> like, uh, oh, uh, or, or I didn't even know that was a thing. When you say baptized, I was like, what in the world? Like he's, he was with a witch. Like that there, there's this parallel, even in the satanic church that you experienced that I don't even have a context for. And so it would make sense that you're like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yet the experiences of my life say, I don't, like I, I, I'm not feeling the same way that you're feeling about it. And if you guys, it's a, it's, we're at an hour and 31 minutes right now in our podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably gone to the bathroom at least three times. <laughs> we haven't been able to. So if you need to get, if you guys need to take an intermission, go to the restroom. My, my Java monster just hit me. So I ran off for a second. If you guys need to go, all right. I'll give a little, almost a little disclaimer at this point, because I think that if you are a Christian, and you're listening to this, or you're a non-Christian questioning your faith, you're going to say, I know what these guys are doing. They're telling a redemption story, and they're going to give us this this uh, this bow. I'll take some, Ruben. They're going to give you this. They're going to give us this, like, wrapped-up story with a pretty bow on top. But I want to I tell you this, sitting next to my brother and with Ruben, Um, Arthur is still on a journey 
and he's going to tell us more of his from Ohio on story, but we have a relationship and it's not based on what I or Ruben or anybody's trying to get out of Arthur, but this relationship is we are walking with him no matter what. And so he's not going to come to the end of this and say, I'm all in and I saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and he appeared to me and now I've given my life to him hundred percent. He's, he's probably not going to tell you that because that's not the journey he's on, but he's still on a journey. And I personally believe God is still real. God has a reason and a purpose. Even if Arthur himself wouldn't agree with me hundred percent, he has some spiritual beliefs. He has some deep convictions about things and they may not line up with me. And yet we're having this conversation because I think there's a lot of people in America in the church or in any church that have had terrible experiences from the church, been abused and hurt and misused. And a lot of it was because the things they were taught were wrong about God, about Jesus, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, a lot of people were put into a rules um, thing and expectations uh, culture. And so this disclaimer, kind of our intermission to go to the bathroom is, um, this is not going to, this episode, whenever it ends, is not going to be a put a bow on top of it. And if you'll just follow these steps, then you'll be good. <laughs> That's not what this is. Yeah. This is a conversation of reality. Um, have you ever read the book of Judges? And it ends terrible. And you're like, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so we say, we say the quiet part out loud on this episode, on this podcast. And yet the Bible has always said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> Scripture has always said the stuff that shouldn't be said. So if you want to get messed up, read Judges. Yeah. Because at the end of it, there's a terrible story. And it doesn't actually end with you feeling good. And so you may listen to this episode. I don't know who you are. And you may end this saying, well, that didn't feel good. It's, it's because this is real life. If you want to feel good at the end of an episode, go watch a movie but make sure you watch go just watch a 90s. Veggie Tales. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Or go watch, you know, Sleepless in Seattle back from the 90s, you know, something like that. Because <laughs> what it is, is the world we're living in has real people struggling with real things. And so I appreciate your honesty so far, Arthur. And I know that some of our, some of the people that are going to hear this know you, and this is going to be surprising to them. And so I want to acknowledge that as well, just for, just for a bit. But at the same time, thanks for your courage to share. Um, so now tell us. You're homeless in well, Ohio. Okay, go ahead. Let me, sure, go ahead, Ruben. This conversation is incredibly humbling for me um, because, like you said, it's a journey that we're that we're we're putting ourselves in a position to walk alongside somebody, not so that you will land on a certain belief system or come to a certain conclusion about God, though. Mm-hmm. I have a hope in, in Jesus that I came to through my own journey, but I can't, I can't lay copy that on paste. you. I can't copy and paste <laughs> yeah. that on you. And you said something on Sunday, Ray, that you said in, and this is on the Bible event and you have under the word holy, you said, what is meant by holiness, separation, or sanctification is not separation from the world, pride, and arrogance over self-improvement, or canceling worldly friends and neighbors and graduating to a spiritual superiority. You said, we intend to humbly look at our own hearts and souls, understanding the battle that lies within when making choices to do what is right or wrong based on what we see in Scripture. 
It is Christ-likeness that we are pursuing. Holiness has nothing to do with us. It has all to do with God. And Mm. for me, I consider my time in the church and growing up and the system, you know, of doing things that I grew up in would tell me you can't sit across from the table with a guy like you who's been had experience in the satanic church, who's had experiences and history with drugs and still, you know, struggles with those temptations and to walk a road that is contrary to what we see God calling us to. Yeah. Um, and says is good and abundant. And I'm like, so number one, I appreciate your honesty, but number two, like it's, it's incredibly humbling for me to have the opportunity to, to walk a road with you that doesn't, that I don't know where it's going to go. Like, I don't know what you're, where you're going to land, what you're going to land on. I don't even know where you're going to land on right Right. now. But I'm like, (laughs) but I, I think who else who else would you walk with? Right. Like mm-hmm. who, who else could we, do we, could we walk with? Like, cause if we surround ourselves with people who think the same as us and land on the same things, we're never challenged. We talk about the slippery slope and it's like, Oh, you have association with that kind of person. Mm. Mm, you're walking on. I feel, like nice, that, buddy. I feel like diversity creates imagination and ideas. So you guys are very, obviously you're pastors and your whole life is dedicated to the church where the I, tip, I'm sitting over here. I, I believe God, there is a God. Mm-hmm. And I think don't a, give us your conclusion. Yet well, because no, you have a lot to say before. You yeah. And I, th- I think he is this God, but I'm not fully certain. So I, I guess I'm, what was as not as, as you're agnostic I mean, or whatever <laughs> agnostic agnostic but i think what you are is seeking yeah you're asking questions which is a great place for everyone to be um here's here's what i think in as a pastor and us in ministry or even as a christian we end up having relationships with people with an ulterior motive and we may not even ever voice it and we may not ever even articulate it but we think that God's called us to have friends with people so we can change them. Instead of, I'm gonna live my life because God has redeemed me and called me, and so God has made me who I am, and so I'm gonna have relationships with people, not so that I can copy and paste my life to them, but that I can have a friendship with them. And if you don't make a decision to live like I live, it doesn't make us less friends, because it's not my job for you to do what I'm doing. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's. If I believe scripture, he's the one that does the, the wooing and the calling and the changing. But he does call me to live in this world, even if I'm not from this world. And I, I'm going to live in this world and I'm going to make relationships and have friends. But we as pastors many times find ourselves being friends with people. And we have this thing way in the back of our minds we don't want to talk about that's like, well, this relationship's worth it because eventually they're going to turn a corner and, and they're going to be a man of God, you yeah, know? Yeah. right? And so, no, it's there. So really what we need to wrestle with, and everyone does, I don't care if you're a salesman or if you're a realtor or if you're a banker, all of us have relationships, especially if you're in sales, 
like every relationship is in that filter of like, Ooh, eventually I'll sell something to them, you know? And so it's like what we have to really separate ourselves from. And this is the reason that it's good to have a, to an extent, a relationship with someone that's not like us. Now there's a caveat. You have a friend in Ohio. It's not a good thing. No, not at all. And so if you find yourself having a friend <laughs> that you guys just go in the darkness together, yeah, you probably should, you know, think about and check that and put a boundary on that friendship. So I'm not saying just be friends with people, even if they take you to evil. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But I am saying open up your heart, be vulnerable with someone that you're simply loving them <laughs> no matter what decisions they make. Right. Yeah. Well, I think humanly we have, unfortunately we have conditions on mm. our relationships. That's and that's it. what I was talking about like several weeks ago was if we if we see God's love as a transaction that that is given and taken based on our behavior or what we do or don't do, that's how we treat human relationships. I mean, what can it, you offer me? Yeah, you, I mean, you talk <laughs> about the 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 two communities with mm. the line in between. This community received me well and didn't cuss me out. This community cussed me out and I was already worn out and tired and broken speaking something that I didn't really even know that I fully believed, whatever. Both communities needed Jesus, yeah. right? But yet, because one received you well, one didn't, we have this transaction. Well, you're worthy of my time and me teaching you a message that I think is, that I've been taught is right you are not. And so we have this transaction. And so I think deep in the back of all of our minds, that's why we have a really difficult time understanding the unconditional love of God. Mm. And that's why John in first John can say, we love because he first loved us. We have no context outside of Jesus for what unconditional one way not transactional love looks like until Jesus said, I actually paid it all. I actually gave it all so that you could have life not expecting anything. In well, return. here's what we end up doing to your point is we end up scripture talks and Jesus talks about don't throw pearls to swine. And he talks about don't associate with people that are not of the faith. And so we end up taking some of these like scriptures and really the only time that you're hundred percent sure that you're not going to throw a pearl to swine is to preach to the choir. That's why we have that statement. Preach to the choir because the choir's in, they're all in hundred percent. And so when you preach at them, quote unquote, you're not throwing anything away. But what we end up doing is we end up hearing a message, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make sure that you have an answer for the hope that's in you. And so we take these verses and we think, oh, that means I've got to preach to people, even if they don't want to hear it. So let me ask you is how many times have I preached a sermon to you? Quite a bit. But I'm talking about in your darkest of darkness, how many times did I come and throw a sermon at you? <laughs> Probably a good 10 times now that I can think of. But was it a, was it, it something that you didn't want or was it something? Well, I didn't want it at all, but it's something I needed. Well, but I mean, what I'm talking about is did I throw crap at you and make you feel bad? Oh, no. Because I just thought I had to. No. The sermon, if I ever preached, I don't even know if I ever preached a sermon at you, but the only encouragement that I gave you was in a moment of brotherly affection and in a moment of 
pure love. It yeah. wasn't condemnation. It wasn't like you're doing wrong. It was like, dude, I love you. What, what can I do? Right. Yeah. And so when I say preach a sermon, I mean like, I thought you were you're speaking, going to hell. I thought you were speaking in pastor. Sense. No, no, no. I'm no. not talking like yeah. in a pastoral sense. I'm talking just in a human sense. Yeah. You never come preach at me. and That's... yell at you and tell you you're a heathen going to hell. Well, Did you're I ever describing no. like Bible no. thumping. Like, right. I think if thumping I hit the Bible, him over the head yeah. hard Mark, enough. Mark right. Yeah, yeah, no, Driscoll. (laughs) Driscoll. (laughs) (laughs) No, but did I ever, I mean, did I ever, and I'm not trying to say that I didn't make mistakes. I'm just saying along the journey that I call you to condemn you. No. Because I felt like I needed to. No, no. It was always, I guess, in a compassionate way. And so throwing pearls to swine. You're kind of doing wrong, you know. (laughs) Throwing pearls to swine is giving someone a message that, number one, they're never going to listen to. And number two, they didn't ask for. Yeah. So why would you do that? But it also says walk with people. <laughs> but that's like self-motivated. And I think that's why we talk so much about motivation is because the pearls before swine, you're describing like motivation. Like I want I, you to get something from that. Yeah. I want you to I, get cleaned I'm, up to wear those pearls. And that's not <laughs> even to preach a message to somebody who like in the contents of what you're talking about, like yeah. preaching a message. Yeah, I'm not talking quote, about like quotes, a pastor, like, you know. Yeah, like giving somebody about, truth, but it's know, like condemnation. sharing something, trying to get somebody to change. That is not even rooted in, lo- in like love right. for that person. It's rooted in self-love because you feel like, man, if I could just get this person to change, right. then I can point to my life and say, look what I did. So... It's really dark the what we're capable of yeah. even without even like recognizing it. And so I think it's important to have these conversations to to put ourselves in check to say, man, why am I walking with this person? Am I walking with this person with the hope that they will change and that's the only motivation for me walking with them? Because the moment they don't or you get wore out and tired of them not changing and keep walking walk the away. same path, you're like, I'm done. It's not working. I'm depressed. It. This is not working. Oh, that's... This didn't work, God. I'm turning them over to you. <laughs> because you feel like the change is on you and you weren't able to make it happen. Right. So you failed. Right. Yeah. And you're like, crap. Oh, and that's why AA never worked for me because I mm-hmm. always felt like it was, well, you're a drug addict. You just need to stop Follow these 12 steps. I'm like, that doesn't work, dude. Mm-hmm. I'll do step one and be like, ah, screw it. I'm going to go do drugs. There's something internal that has to happen. There's almost, it's supernatural. There's something yeah. internal, either an internal rebellion or internal gumption, but then also people. I mean, the the right people. I'm not just talking like any old rando, but the right people to walk with you. Yeah. So you're in Ohio. You're homeless. So, um, yeah, I'm, on, I'm, I'm in Ohio. I'm homeless. I'm doing drugs. I'm out of my mind. I mean, I'm... Very I just good. wonder how you function because you did. What do you mean? You functioned like to work and to, yeah, I mean, but I mean, not that your work was doing enough, but other than supply your drugs. Yeah. That was, that was the only reason I worked. That was my motivation was. Uh, I don't remember how long it was, but I, I didn't hear from you for a it was, long. It was a good two, uh, almost two years. I think it was a little bit less than two years. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was over a year. I know that, that I like didn't even know where you were. I months. assumed you were dead somewhere. Cause I, I knew my next phone call was going to be some number I didn't recognize, and it was going to be like, "Do you know an Ar- you know a, a Arthur Roten?" And it was going to well, be that Ryan call. Ryan Roten at that time. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and it was going to be I was going to get that call that you were dead. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Yeah, well, and that's where I was heading. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was down that path, and so at it was this on you to reach out. So well, yeah. I mean, I I don't blame anybody but, I mean, but myself because I didn't even have your number. You threw that phone away. <laughs> so what what it well, was it along the way that prompted you to even make the first phone call? So I was heavily depressed. I was heavily angry. I hated everyone around me. Um, I didn't know what to do. And so one day I'm trying to think of it, it was, I think it was in like fall. So the, because I remember the trees changing, I called you and you didn't pick up. I left you a voicemail. You didn't pick up. And I was like, well, this is it. But you and I had been talking though for a while at that point. Uh, 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 Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. It was it was after that because it's talked. a number I didn't know. I don't even know where that phone. I don't even know what that phone number is. Yeah. I mean, I have it right now. But I'm just saying it was like yeah. No, you called and I'm like I don't know what this is. And then yeah. I went to voicemail and yeah. Um, and you didn't call me back until later on that night. Well, in that it might have been like four hours, four or five hours before you called me back. I was like. Screw it. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I drove out to the middle of nowhere, left my car somewhere, walked another hour into the woods. Wow. And, um, I got undressed (laughs) cause I was like, I came into this world naked. I'm going out naked. Hmm. And, uh, I'm sitting there just contemplating and, uh, I grabbed the gun and I put it in my mouth and my phone rings and I'm like, what the crap? I'm out in the middle of nowhere. How do I even have a signal? Well, now thinking about it, I'm like, God was like, yeah, you need a signal right here. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, and it was you, you know, you, you called me up and that was when I told you, Hey, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm not going to live for the next five years if I keep going down this road. <laughs> oh, I was going to end it that night. <laughs> um, and you told me, well, you got, you got three options. Move to North Carolina, move to Florida, or move to Oklahoma. Ignore the first two, you're moving to Oklahoma. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. New Mexico. I gave you New Mexico as an option too. Well, so we both agreed that that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no. Here's what's interesting on that side of it. And you're, you can keep telling your story, but the interesting thing for me is I have no idea. I, I don't know what's going on with you. I just know that I haven't talked to you in forever. Don't know what kind of dark hole you're, I know you're not in a good place. The last time I talked to you, I assumed I was never going to talk to you again. We actually had conversations. I prayed for you all the time. And when I got that phone call, I didn't know it was you. Sometimes it happens where a, a voicemail will come in later. It doesn't come in at the right time. And when that voicemail popped up, I'm like, I can't believe Ryan just called me. Yeah. And Ryan is Arthur. It's, he'll tell you the story of that in a minute. But And so when I called you back, I didn't know. I, and you didn't tell me either. Like, I didn't know that was happening. No. I didn't know that was going on in that moment. And I, I would just tell you, I'm deeply convinced that if someone pops in your head, no matter what it is, you need to respond or call or text or something. Cause you don't know what's happening in yeah. a person's life at that moment. And so we had a conversation you were like, well, you're going to move to Oklahoma. I was like, okay. Uh, I don't remember it that way. It was like, you need to think about it. Well, I was, I was kind of, <laughs> I was out of my mind at yeah. the time. And yeah. you're like, 
the way I remember it, you're like, you're coming to Oklahoma. I was like, okay, when, what month? And I said, March. And you said, no, February. <laughs> um, you said, give me 90 days. Yeah. I had no idea what you were trying to do or pr- prove or pull or anything. Uh, trying to kick drugs right. and trying to save money. I found that later. I found out later. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that night I threw the gun in the woods. I haven't touched the gun since then, um, which is weird. I love guns, but I can still taste metal sometimes and it freaks me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So eventually I'm going to buy a gun. But not for that reason, <laughs> you know. Just I'm American. <laughs> yeah, just because you can. Because you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't touched a gun since then. Um, so I 90 days, which I came February 28th, uh, moved here, and my journey of sobriety, uh, drugs. I mean, I still drink alcohol, but drugs, and I. I've been sober for quite a while now from that. Um, it was a struggle, especially working at Rudy's, uh, my first job here, which I got, I'm thankful I got it like a week later after I moved here, Wow, uh, which was a God thing. Um, it was a struggle because everybody was like an ex-con. They were all, you know, had drugs. They all this and that. So I'm glad I didn't go back. Because if I would have gone back, it would have just been like a deep hole that I would have just sank in. So, but yeah, so, so Ray saved my life pretty much. Well, I mean, he did. <laughs> if you wouldn't have called at that moment, uh, no, but I wouldn't have picked up the phone. Hmm. Um, but it's a weird thing. And Ray didn't know about it until this year. I didn't tell him that story, that aspect of the story until this year. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, thinking about it now, it scares me. Cause well, I, was, in a different I place. was ready. Like I, like mind, I was yeah. ready. Your mind is in a different place right now. And your health is in a different place right now. You even look completely different now. Um, than that spot. So, so in, let's talk about that just for a second. Cause right now you said it scares you. What does that mean? I mean, you, you process it now, you think back, you even have some flashbacks because of, you know, emotion and sensation. So what's the, how do you process it now? It's the sense of ending it. Hmm. Like we're supposed to enjoy the world. I mean, obviously we're here to experience things and everything else and just ending it. And at that point, I didn't know if I would be in heaven or in hell, or if I would go to purgatory, if that even exists, or reincarnated into some dumb plant. Like, I didn't know. So in that aspect, it's scary to think about because I was in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Like, I was still freaking out about the Satanism you know, so you you left Colorado and you ghosted that that girl, that's why and you still like to this day that still affects you, uh-huh. um, because of the I won't go back to Colorado. Right, there's some some <laughs> there's some blockage in your mind of Colorado, so it's like some satanic thing is for you. It's real. It's a real thing oh, that really was, affected yeah. you, um, and it still is that consequence today. But then you're in Oklahoma years later. We're talking three over three years later. 
And I, from my perspective, watching you and realizing the, the homelessness, the alcoholism, the drug, drug addiction, just the depression, the darkness that you were in. And as a family member is one thing, but as just a, a person, it's like, what can we do except just love you? And so for the first time in years, you were around family again, you were around people that loved you unconditionally again. What did that do to your mind? Cause I remember you told me the conversation on the phone. Cause we talked quite a bit before you came was I'm not going to church. I don't care if you're a pastor, screw that. I'm not going to church. You better not expect me to come. And I said, man, I'm not asking you to come to go to church. I just want you to be okay. And so tell me like your first day here, you had an interaction with my daughter. <laughs> tell me about that. It was, it was weird. It was. So that first day I, I came back, we went to Chick-fil-A with a bunch of people. I, I remember that. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> all these people. Are these are people? Why are they smiling at me? <laughs> this is weird. Well, people are happy at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is My weird. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't the, the workers. It was just random people. It was from our school people. and random people. And I was people, just like, yeah. okay. oh, it's good to meet you. And I'm like, it's not really good to meet you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a weird experience. And then the conversation with your daughter is I, I want you to come to church so I can get a prize because it's, what was I think it? was it? Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. And she was going to get a, a Bible or something. I don't know, maybe. I, it, was, it was some sort of. had to invite some people to church. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Arthur, are you coming to church? <laughs> so I show up. I look like, you know who Post Malone is? I don't think so. You don't know who Post Malone is? Ruben. If I saw a picture, come on. Come on. He's got yeah, tattoos dude. on his come face on. and dreads. and. Listen, I swam in my backyard in jeans. Dog. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I like, Let me remind you where I came from. <laughs> well, I look like Post Malone. Okay. And uh, I looked homeless. You mean that's like, not today? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I look no. a lot healthier now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's a joke. <laughs> So I looked homeless. Like I had this beard. It was just like, ugh, and you had like dread hair. I had dread hair. It was horrible. And I'm, I show up and everybody's smiling. Oh, it's good. And I'm like, oh, screw you guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm not happy to be here. I didn't introduce <laughs> my brother. He was just a visitor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, 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 it was before you had two services, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I just stood in in the corner, not talking to anybody. And people would just keep coming up to me. I'm like, don't you get it that I'm standing in a corner with a pissed off look at my face so you don't approach me? (laughs) (laughs) Just wouldn't comprehend. I was just like... So that was the downfall right there of coming to church. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Except you kept coming back. You said, I'm not going to church. And every week you'd be like, I'm not coming. And then you'd show up. Yeah. Well, I had nothing else to do on Sundays. Nice. nice. <laughs> now I own awesome. a house and I have to cut grass. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. I see how it is. I see how it is. Okay. So tell us about this name change thing. Because we've had this ongoing conversation on the podcast about Saul Paul about oh, yeah. Abraham, Abram, Sarai, Sarah. And then today, you know, we got this <laughs> son of, what is it? You're the son of terror now or something like that. And so tell us about the um, name because most people up until three, four years ago knew you as Ryan. Yeah. But now no one in Oklahoma knows you as Ryan. They only know you as Arthur. So yeah. what's up with that? So uh, on the plane ride um, down to Oklahoma, I think it was four hours, three hours, four yeah. hours like that. 
I'm having a conversation with myself. Um, and I'm like, you know, you need to make some changes. Um, and so that was when I said, I'm never going to lie again, even if it hurts people, mm. I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be the most honest I can be. And that was where I came to that conclusion. And then I'm like, I need to change something else, something radical. And I'm like, oh yeah, my second name's Arthur. I like Arthur. I'm going to start calling myself Arthur because Ryan is an old aspect of myself. He's the guy that went off the deep end. He's the one that started doing drugs. He's the one that experienced all this stuff. And so I'm like, if I'm moving to a new city, so now is the time to do it. And that's why I changed my name. Well, not changed it, but moved it to my middle name. So it was a, it was a conversation I had the whole plane ride down. So when he gets what off the plane, I need to change. <laughs> I'll tell you, just like honestly, it's quite part out loud. Um, I hadn't seen him in years, and when he stepped off the plane, man, I had to, I had to keep the tears back because it didn't look. It looked like an old man, like an old an old homeless man is what he looked like, and that's not not to not to offend anybody. It just he didn't look like himself. He looked like a completely different person, real thin and really just unhealthy. Um, and so I just had to hold back the emotion you know give you a hug smelled funky i mean the dude <laughs> smelled funky and it was not that he was dirty it wasn't like the dirty smell it was just a there was an aura around him just a smell you smell know a rot something <laughs> well then he gets off the plane and he goes by the way my name's arthur and it's I, there's a lot of emotions going in my head and i'm like okay tell me about it and he said well, Ryan was a jerk and we're going to try out Arthur. Hmm. And I respected that to where I never had a problem with it. It was just always like Arthur. What's interesting is my kids have only known him as Ryan, uncle Ryan. They never skipped a beat. I mean, I'm, they just like uncle Arthur. <laughs> they jumped in. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even think they didn't question it didn't think of it. And so me and my kids from the get go were like Arthur, uncle Arthur. Other people had a lot more trouble. I had a lot of struggle with it. But when you understand this transformation or this thing that you're looking for, like you're pursuing, uh, I think that's the the respect part of it is like, okay, you're pursuing something and I'm going to help you. Yeah. I'll do my part anyway. You know, I can't change you. You know, you got an apartment uh, for the first time in years. You slept indoors um, in, a, in a bed. Wow. You know, people here in Yukon just showered you with more was, crap than you could ever it was do anything with. Like, Before you even came, people were just like giving him stuff. Hmm. Um, at one point you had like three TVs or four, <laughs> I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was like, people really were outpouring love. And I think that was shocking because it was not what you were expecting. Well, I, I expected because I, before, like, I think a week before Ray was like, Hey, I found you an apartment. Um, as soon as you get here, we're going to start looking for a job, but I've taken care of the first month. I've got some stuff lined out you got some interviews you know, and, and yeah. all this. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. You know, I, the only thing I've ever been good at in my life is work. Um, everything else is just crap. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. I, I can do anything, you know, clean toilets, whatever. I don't care as long as I'm making something so I can pay for this apartment. And so I show up. And he takes me to the apartment. He opens the door and there's crap, uh, not crap, but like Stuff. furniture and tables and silverware, glasses, everything I needed. And I'm sitting there like, 
did you get this for me? He's like, no, a bunch of people at church gave it to me. I was like, they don't even know me. Mm-hmm. And so that was a shock. I was like, I, I, it's been a while since I experienced kindness for nothing. Mm. So that was, that was a weird experience. Yeah. And then you're, you know, you, you got the job right away. You know, it's an interesting thing to have an opportunity, but then you have to do something. It's not like anybody got you a job. Yeah. And so going from just a self made man to depending, but also using connections and in a new city is kind of a shocking thing. And you've had a journey. I mean, this has been a long journey since you've been here. I can't (laughs) believe it's been as long and as, as short at the same time. But you've experienced ups and downs. You you left Rudy. Thank God for that job. Um, you you left Rudy. You've worked a couple other places, and then now you're in a in a really stable environment. Yeah. Um, great company, um, doing good work. And yet the work, the soul work, kind of the internal work, is an ongoing thing. Yeah. And you're not you're in my conversations are. <laughs> They're all over. The, they're basically the rabbit hole ramble. Basically, you know, we have conversations all the time about. 2.0. Yeah, yeah, basically, we talk about aliens and talk about you know anything. It doesn't really matter. Multiverse. Yeah, multiverse. You know, that's a really interesting conversation. But um, Ruben's like, I'm out. First time I heard that word. So. Okay. But it's like there's a conversation that's been having, and here's what's interesting to me is that you've been heavily plugged into Bethel, our church. You've been disconnected from it. You've been in and out like a like a Sunday Christian or a an Easter Sun, Easter Christmas Christian, <laughs> not a Christian because you wouldn't call yourself that. But I, it's an interesting process for me. And and yet along the journey, you have found family, home. I, I think you like Oklahoma fine. I think you're needs mountains. That's the only. Well, that's my only complaint. Pretty flat. But look yeah. out there, man. There's cows. There. If there was a buffalo over there, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but you look outside and you see wonder Oklahoma many, beauty. It's own beauty. How they got so many know? cows over there without any buffaloes? You know. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about what we talked about before <laughs> the episode, but we better not. <laughs> no, okay, but, sorry. <laughs> well, I've heard you say a couple things, like, and it's it's interesting. Even in the midst of your your running, there's been several things throughout your life. Even in the woods that day, you're like, you with your own mouth said, "Well, God gave my phone a signal." Like yeah. I, no how else would it have happened so you you even recognize some of this pursuit that you're experiencing i think it's interesting even the silverware situation you walk in it's furnished and silverware and all the stuff that you need nobody knows you and you the the temptation is to think in the voice that you know we're we're so guilty of hearing sometimes is how in the world like i didn't you would you would probably say i don't deserve this like look at my past there's a reason you wanted to change your name there's a reason you wanted to make a change in your life because you're like back there was just trash and yet without people even knowing me are willing to do this what the world like why and i think when we experience things like that we experience the supernatural love of god through people that makes us stop sometimes and think why why in the world would they do that yeah um and so i think it's it's cool that you're able to in the midst of all the just crap that you've experienced 
to still at least acknowledge and, and ask questions. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the point that you, you hit it right on the head, the supernatural experiences you've had and you've experienced the supernatural in the dark, the dark supernatural. You've experienced the, the, um, holy, if you want to put it that way, (laughs) supernatural. And I think you just as a person, you have this, (laughs) you have this desire to buck anything that people say is. (laughs) And so you have this internal, like Mm -hmm. you have this. And I, and I know just because maybe I'm that way, I don't know, but you have this internal, like, well, people say it's this, but I've experienced this. And I think this. And so when, when we think of, well, God did that for you, you could be like, well, it was a supernatural. It could have been God or it could have been somebody else or something else. But I think your journey from my perspective, looking at you, your journey is a supernatural journey. And you at least acknowledge that part. Like you don't wrestle with, is there a God? And actually we've had conversations where you're like, well, the God of the Bible is the God, but I think people don't know who he is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Mm. he is the God that exists, the creator, but he, you don't know. People don't know him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so if you can summarize right now, today, 2021, you know, August, 2021, where are you spiritually speaking? I'm not in a dark place. That's for sure. Like I'm, like I've said, I, there is a God. Mm. I'm almost a hundred percent sure it is the God of the Bible, but I don't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my hesitation comes is like, I know I'm not supposed to understand it. Like I understand that, but why did he save me? Hmm. Why did he protect me through everything I've been to through and things that I didn't even touch on this podcast? Why did he put a hand over it? What is the purpose? Hmm. And so I'm still struggling with a lot like depression. I'm very depressed right now in my life and not because of the situation I'm in. I'm, I mean, I own a house, I have a great job. It's just my mind can't get out of it for some reason. Like I I think it has something to do with my alignment, like my, my chemistry or chemistry or something like that. I am not angry anymore. I mean, I do feel, anger, but it's not that burning rage that I felt for 10 years of my life. Wow. Like we were talking about, I lack empathy for people like a lot. I cannot, you're struggling through something. So whatever. I mean, get over it, get over it. Like not in that aspect, but I was like, I can't help you, (laughs) Yeah. but I'm in a good place right now. I could be better but I'm in a good place. Yeah. So I don't know what the next step is. And yeah. that's the issue is I don't know what direction to go in. One of the recent conversations we had is, um, and we even talked about on this podcast is like, you know, sometimes we need some medical attention, a doctor and a doctor, we need to go through and get some blood work and try to figure out what's going on in our body. And then other times we need some emotional help with, with, with counseling. And is there someone that can help me process through my emotions and, and talk to a counselor and, and have therapy, you know? And then there's other times that it's a spiritual, like straight up spiritual, like God is trying to do something. And the reason that I'm dark right now is because I'm not listening. And so I think there's a holistic, uh, without a lack of, for lack of a better word, like a holistic approach, like, okay, I need to figure out physically what's happening. 
mentally what's happening and then spiritually what's happening. And so I've encouraged you over the last month to be like, okay, so here's a number to a doctor, make an appointment. Here's a number to a therapist, make an appointment. Here's a number to a pastor, make an appointment. (laughs) It's like, you know, there is a holistic approach that I think is important. So a lot of times people are like, well, you're depressed. Well, you need to pray more. That's the Christian answer. (laughs) Well, actually, sometimes if you read scripture, I mean, you have people in scripture that were deep in depression and prayer wasn't going to do it. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe you're not eating right or sleeping right. Or maybe you're not, you know, maybe you need to talk through some things. I heard last week, Ruben and I heard that emotions are meant to go through you. They're not supposed to stick to you. And so sometimes anger, for example, sticks and we just cannot get over it no matter what anybody says. Well, there's something that we need to go through process. Someone needs to help us to let that go through us. And so I think it's important. Um, I'm always trying to point people to a doctor, to a therapist and to Jesus. You know, it's like Jesus is the answer. And yet there are things, humanly speaking, we're still fractured humans that we need help with. And God in his grace and mercy has given us doctors that understand chemistry, that can help in balances. That's amazing. And then he's also given people a love and a talent and an ability to process and talk through things. And so it's a, it's definitely something like in your journey, uh, you know, anybody that's listening, cause this is a heavy episode, really. I mean, we've had some fun, but there's <laughs> some heaviness here. If you're going through something similar and you can identify with Arthur, you know, um, what would you tell someone let's, let's, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. First one is what would you tell someone that is thinking about, this is not worth it. I'm ending it all. What would you go back and tell yourself in the woods today? I would tell myself where I am right now. Hmm. I've experienced great things after that. I've found a great place to live. I've met people that have gone through the same things as I have, and they're still here and their stories are amazing. And there's still so much to experience. Hmm. I want to experience everything. I've already experienced all the bad stuff. Hmm. Let's try to experience all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so is there something specific someone can do that's in that moment right now? Cause I mean, one of the purposes it's kind for of this hard because yeah. everybody comes to it in a different aspect. Yeah. Some people come to it because they think there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Other people come to it because they're depressed. Like I was, some people don't know how to get out of a drug addiction. Some people are alcoholics that don't know how to get out. And that's like the final and they don't trust people. I mean, yeah. that's the issue is they don't trust people. I didn't so trust what, people. So would you recommend someone opening up and telling someone? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. So make sure the person you're going to tell is a decent person. Cause you could tell a friend, well, you know, they're not good people. They're just going to be like, Oh, buck it up. You know, it's, it's life. Right. I'm, you know, I would suggest talking to a therapist. Don't talk to a Christian therapist because they're the worst therapist in the world. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no offense, Christian therapist. Because they're just throwing Bible verses at you. I'm like, I don't need that. I need real world advice to get out of this situation mm-hmm. and to help me process why I want to kill myself. Huh. So... So if someone's finding themselves in that situation, you know, this, one of the reasons for this, um, this particular episode and in my head, because I didn't really know what we were going to go and do, but 
Um, next month, September is um, Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. And we're wanting to highlight as we get to that month and then have some conversations with some, some different people that have experienced it firsthand. And so for me, it's hope. Hope is what drives us forward. You know, we could be in a darkness and we could be um, going through a deep valley and, and incredible aloneness and depression and anger, you know, even isolation. We could be going through that. And so the hope is, and the, the reason we want to highlight this and not shy from it, is that in our world, 2020, 2021 has brought about a lot of darkness and brought about a lot of emotions that we didn't know were there. And so the hope is there is another side and there is a future and the future actually is bright and it's not that it's easy but it is bright and there are people that do care and there's people that love and so so that's my first question well, i would i would say and if someone reaches out to you like you reached out to me be willing to listen hmm. because a lot of the time you've already made up your mind but that person calls you or sees you and they're like hey i've been thinking about you let's you know, let's hmm. talk hmm. be willing to listen because a lot of people are just like have come to the conclusion they're like I'm done. Yeah. So Okay. So so in that situation if you find yourself in that situation there is hope and please do not keep it to yourself. Please No, please talk to someone. Please walk with someone. Please reach out to someone because it's not nothing is ever as bad as you really think it is. Yeah. Um there's always hope. The the second question I would have is like you've gone through you know, drugs and you've gone through, um, thinking about, uh, prescription drugs and any kind of drug you can imagine you've gone through this. So, so what would you tell someone that finds themselves in that situation? And they're like, well, I don't really know who to talk to, how to get out of this. How do I get over this? How do I walk away from it? Cause it's not like you're cured forever. It's more no. like you have a decision and it's a, it's a decision every day. So what would you tell someone? So it's a, it's for some people going to like an AA meeting is very helpful i've yeah. met several people that that's how they kicked it for me it wouldn't help at all like i it, it to me it was a joke these guys um so especially the drugs i was doing the first two months i was detoxing and that was the worst mm -hmm. thing i've ever felt in my life i was i felt sick and mm. just that's probably why I looked like an old man when I showed up to Oklahoma because I was just detoxing. And my thing was, it was a decision that I made that I would not do it again because I know if I did it again, there's no stopping it because I have an addictive personality. And so every morning I wake up and I'm like, in my head, I'm not going to take drugs today. Go to sleep. I'm not going to take drugs today. I'm not going to do it. And that it's a constant decision that I have to make every day. And I'm hoping down the road that I won't even have to think about it anymore. Cause there's days that I wake up and I'm like, I need something. Hmm. Um, yeah. that's why I don't like taking the painkillers and stuff like that because I, it just triggers something in my head yeah. where I'm like, Oh yeah, let's take them, you know? Yeah. So you need someone, if you're going to quit, don't do it the way I did it. Cause I was by myself. <laughs> no, like I, I was by myself. That's not good. And I had to make myself. And not very many people have that can do that. No. 
So my suggestion is find someone. Well, you basically traded it though, because I think you you did walk away, but then you picked up some other stuff to fill the void. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, and you're still working through that right now. I'm I've, I'm an alcoholic, like a, a raging alcoholic. Um, that right there doesn't really need necessarily do with the drugs. It's more about the depression kind of quiets the voices in my head, but then the makes you more depressed. And so that's the, the which is a, is a, is a the convoluted terrible, type yeah, terrible of side effect relationship. Of, yeah. Well, the terrible side effect of alcohol is it makes you depressed yeah. even though it quiets it. Yeah. But which it's, it's a very weird thing, but I would suggest finding someone that you can lean on. That's yeah. someone that maybe understands that you are trying to quit. Yeah. And that you can have a, a barrier, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night and call them being like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm struggling right now, that they would be willing to talk to you. So in both of these answers, it was you can't do it alone. No. Like both of them, the first one and the my, second one. So it's my way of doing it was the worst way you could do it. Well, but even in that, that you weren't alone, even yeah. though in your head you were doing it alone. There was still people yeah. that not only were praying for you in a spiritual, supernatural way, but there was also people looking out for you, yeah. even if you weren't around them. And so I think you didn't do it alone, even though even though you went through a lot of stuff alone. Yeah. So that my last question is about homelessness, because finding yourself in a in a in a housing insecurity or even homelessness, um, it's surprising because we don't even know who around us that comes to work and kind of looks the part actually might be homeless. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of homelessness in our world and um, it's almost like the homeless person next in the next cubicle over, you know? And so we don't know. So how, how, what, I know you have a, a strange relationship with homelessness, but what, what can be done? Like, what do you think is the answer to homelessness in our country? Cause we have a lot of homeless people all over the country and there's people that choose it. There's people that, sometimes don't have a choice. There's other people that are in your situation. They're like, well, I like drugs more than I like a house. So what's, mm. what do you think is the, what do you, what, what could you identify? Cause you, not only were you homeless, you actually had some pretty wild experiences being homeless yeah. and high yeah. and that's tough. So the issue, like you said, a lot of people choose to be homeless. A lot of people fall into situations that are unavoidable and get them into massive amounts of debt that cause them to be homeless. And then there's the, the mental mentally disabled people that are homeless and there's nothing that they can do to get out of that situation. So for the first two, the ones that choose it and the ones that don't choose it, they have to make a decision because most of the time when you're homeless, you're on drugs. Like I, I don't want to generalize, but about 98% of the time you're doing something they have to make a choice not to do it. And that is the only way you can help a homeless person. So all these foundations that give them places to sleep, gives them food, helps them try to get a job. They're not really helping Hmm. which is a sad aspect. It really is. You have to be hard with a homeless person. You kind of have to be like, look, I'll help you. But you have to make a choice to be different. And but do you think you that's your personality or do you think that's general? Like in general? Like how I really think it's general because mm-hmm. people respond to authoritative author, author, authority. Authority. And be like, look, I'm gonna help you. 
but you have to make that choice to help yourself. And if you make that choice, I'm behind you. Well, it's funny as you and I have had that conversation just in our relationship because it's like, dude, I'm getting you an apartment, but you got to work and make sure you pay for next month, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I've never paid for another month. So it's like, and that's years. And then you have a house now. And so there is some of the tough love, but that's such a hard balance, man, because there's some people that think they're doing tough love and they're just being jerks. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a fine line because you got to come at it with somewhat compassion. Right. To be like, look, I get it. Drugs are awesome. Or, you know, alcohol is awesome. This is great. This is awesome. But you're sleeping on the street, man. Is this worth it? And that's where they need to make that choice. And because you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Hmm. You know that from the mm-hmm. the Jason. The man you helped for, what, seven years? Long time. He was in and out of rehab, in and out of drugs. Until that last year, he yeah. stopped. And it took it tough love. It was a long love. journey. It was a long journey. Yeah. It took you being like, look, I'm done. And I think that's what scared him. Yeah. Well, it was it was funny because it wasn't like I'm done, like we're not, we can't be friends. It's just like, man, I've thrown a lot of money at this thing. Yeah. And that's just, now I'm enabling you. And I think that's when it comes to it is there's a fine line between enabling and helping someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, I, and, I, and I think it's a real problem. I think in our country, especially in the United States, all over the world too, but I mean, it's a real, it's a real, I'm not saying problem. It's a real situation. There's a lot of people that find themselves in homelessness and distinguishing between those that choose it and those that it's just pure situation, especially kids, you know, kids growing up and homeless, homelessness is, uh, yeah. is tough. Um, and well, I'm not even sure if anybody has a really good answer because just providing housing doesn't really do it. Providing like a shelter is temporary, providing food, even jobs. I think it's the long walk. And I, and I don't, I don't even know if there's enough people that care enough to walk long with someone. There's a, there's a couple stories of guys being like, Hey, I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a hundred dollars or I'll teach you how to do something that can make you thousands of dollars. And the guys that chose to learn how to do the new skill, stop being homeless, stop doing drugs. They've found a good lifestyle. And I, I think we need to teach them how to provide for themselves. Right. Cause once you're a homeless, you learn how to provide for yourself, but in the wrong way. So you know how you know exactly where to sleep for the cops not to find you. You know what time you have to wake up before the next cop circles around. You know all that. You know where to find free food. You know where to, uh, you know, all this. And if you teach them a new skill that's actually will make you money and help you, I think that's part of it. Well, we're, we're asking someone that lives on the street to almost jump over a 30 foot building to not be homeless. So if you think about it, you know, your first and last month's rent before you can get an apartment. Yeah. Well, that's just part of it. Then you have food, your food bill. Then you have your insurance. Yeah. And then you have your, if you have a vehicle and then you have to put gas in it. And then in America, we're asking people to have several thousand dollars just ready to go to go from the street to a, to an apartment. And the chances of someone making that step is, impossible yeah it really is and the breakdown of the family i mean the breakdown of the family unit in america has really caused more homelessness than than we well, divorce is and so, so ready and well and you can get a billionaire and a billionaire can drop a billion dollars and it still wouldn't fix the homeless problem because nope. it's not just money 
there's so many other things, connections, the mental part of it, the family unit, the, the community structure. Um, and that's where I think the church comes in. And I think where well, the church doesn't know how to do this either, but the church can offer the community aspect of togetherness and walking with someone. And that's why when you came, I didn't push it. My daughter told you to come to church, but it was like the community aspect of it, whether it was good, bad, unhealthy or not, there was some communal aspect that helped in those first years. I think a lot of Christians don't want to get dirty. (laughs) That's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there's something to it, like even in the same way we talked about on our previous episode with Woody, like once you pass that threshold Mm -hmm. of you you realize oh i did that and i didn't get struck by lightning mm. your experience with drugs like i took drugs and god didn't like immediately send me to hell i guess i can keep taking drugs yeah i think maybe there's a mental aspect of it there was a shift in your mind from the religious world to the drug world there might be something going on in the mind of a homeless person too and i don't know what it's like to be homeless so take this with a grain of salt, if you will. Um, if there's a like, Oh, I can actually survive on the streets because this organization over here, I know when the police are coming here, it's almost like a, like a trap that you find yourself in and you learn that way of life. And you're like, I learned how to survive being homeless. I guess I'll keep doing it. Yeah. You know, um, you said it survival. Yeah, like so we can survive in things we don't expect to survive right. in. And you learn to survive on the streets and still get what your mind and your body said you really wanted, which was the drugs. And so you're like, it's a trade-off that I've found a way of living it. And I wonder if there's uh, maybe a mental side to homelessness that somebody would say, I don't want out of this. Like, I don't... like thanks for, thanks for trying to help me, but like, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm choosing this lifestyle and there's a mental something that's maybe neurologically off that they've found a way of doing it and they're okay with it. I've met several guys and they were the guys that chose to be homeless. And Mm -hmm. the only reason they chose to be homeless is to be off the grid, not rely on a government. Oh, aspect of that and they were fine like they had like a house obviously it's it's cardboard and plywood and stuff and they were happy guys and they don't they weren't drug addicts they weren't alcoholics they just liked the aspect of being their Off own the person yeah. huh. self-sufficient yeah. yeah so there's that aspect That's as well we have a lot of people that are self-sufficient in our country that they're not homeless. They have, they live on commune somewhere, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that, you know, that survivalist aspect of it, but I think survival is an interesting thing. Um, so, um, man, we got to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Okay. So a couple episodes, I said, my goal was to get where two and a half hours or at least a two hours. Guess where we are. Two hours. You told me that on Sunday. Are we at two hours yet? In 31 minutes. No. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Yeet. You, you said on Sunday, you were like, YOLO. He said, <laughs> <laughs> you said it's going to be two hours. It's going to be the two-hour episode. <laughs> we, we hit 2.30. Well, and, wow. I, and I think what we're going to do, and if you're listening this long, <laughs> we're going to do, uh, we're going to wrap this up, and then we're going to record a pretty, a prequel, a pre-disclaimer. 
because um, we've gone to a lot of places. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things we want to do on this podcast, the the rabbit hole ramble, obviously ramble, have real conversations that people won't have, mm-hmm. but also provide some kind of hope um, in the conversations. Because whether we're talking about manipulation, abuse, or your experience in church and church abuse, or possibly, um, you know, fears and rapture, anxiety, like we talked about a few episodes ago, um, or talking about, you know, drugs and walking through life. I think we want to offer hope. And so, uh, to wrap this up just for this episode, uh, Ruben, what, like, what is the hope? Because we are pastors and the reason we're pastors, God has put us in this position. We believe Jesus is the answer, but he's also put us into situations where you can't just say Jesus and fix things. We believe he is the controller. We believe he is the, the, the author of life. We believe he's the end of life. We believe he's why we do what we do. And yet even Jesus fed people and healed people. And even Jesus had enemies. And even Jesus um, went into communities, his own community, that said he didn't heal very many people because they were super antagonistic towards him. And so what's the hope that we can, you know, having, having Arthur, which is awesome. Thanks, Arthur, for sharing yeah. and, and being vulnerable. Um, what's hope that we can experience here well, at the, I think the end of the episode? Arthur, Arthur, without even saying the word hope, you were asked the question, what would, what advice would you give to somebody who's walking down that path and considering like, is it worth continuing on? And without saying hope, you pointed people to how we would define hope. You said, you, you said, well, I've been able to experience all of this. Mm. Essentially, you said there's better days coming. Yeah. And better days that I would have missed had I made that choice. So you even pointed people to hope and maybe the hope was in something that is uh temporal, is that the right word? Yeah. Uh temporary or even or even worldly that, like here grounded here in the planet. Right. And so I think the hope, I would say that the hope for me and what allows me to go through some really difficult things and even have compassion for somebody who's gone through some of the things that you have is I know that one day Jesus says he will return and he will wipe away all tears and to mm-hmm. set things right. Jesus is is came to build a a kingdom not necessarily here on the earth as we experience it and we experience things from american and a western standpoint you've experienced things from a a a, another country where you lived in it without some of the commodities that i grew up with and i don't know any different um but that's not what like having air conditioning isn't hope and having (laughs) yeah isn't hope having a a even a roof over my head isn't hope. You've you've lived life without a roof over your head and yeah. by your own choice, right? So uh, for me, hope is not even found in the experience and the things that I go through in this life, whether good or bad. The hope for me is that I'm not, I'm living as a foreigner in a land that God had not necessarily intended for me to live in from the beginning but because of our brokenness because of our sin we find ourselves in this situation but like you would say there's better days coming yeah and that is when the kingdom of god 
um, is established here on this earth. That is when Jesus returns and sets all things right. All the fractures. Yes, all the fractures are are made right. All the all the brokenness is mended, and all the pain and the suffering and the hurt that we experience as a result of sin and our brokenness will no longer be. And that's where my hope is. That's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what allows me to experience some of the crap that we experience in this earth because I know one day that Jesus will set things right. And so um, he will establish his kingdom. And we want Jesus, even just like uh, the um, the Jewish people, they wanted him to come and they thought he was going to be this conqueror that overthrew the Roman government and like <laughs> just came with an iron fist and just blew everything up and made life comfortable for them again. But Jesus like, Man, I, didn't, I didn't come for that. And so my hope is not whether or not I experience pain or loss in this world or never do again, because I know I will, but the hope is that there's better days coming, that there's there's something on the other side of this life that God will make right and put things the way that he intended them to. Yeah, that's good. And that's why Jesus even says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we desire this kingdom that's coming but yet is not here. And so we have the hope to look forward to. Um, And that's what keeps me going. I mean, that's what would stop me from, and even did, I shared my story several episodes ago that was like, man, like there might, there's something better coming. Um, And even, even fantasizing about taking your own life and then something pulls you back, which is the, the future, you know, someone, something, something was said, and there is a future. And hope, um, yeah. yeah. And my hope, my hope is, and this is where I kind of lean into, is I hope that the church at, at large, kind of the big C church, the church that we all visibly see and get frustrated with, that we would understand that we have no idea who works next to us, who sits next to us in the chair, who comes to worship with us. And we have, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they've experienced. We don't even know <laughs> if last Sunday they were in some satanic worship you know we don't know mm-hmm. and yet to to realize that jesus loves them like he loves me and i he doesn't love me more than them because i've graduated to something else mm-hmm. um but he actually calls them and he pursues them even in the woods even on the streets even even in a mansion as a billionaire you know he's pursuing and the, the hope for me is you can't outrun him you can't get too far from him and he will find you and so whether you grew up in church in a bad situation, grew up in church in a good situation, or grew up as an atheist, he will find you. That's that's his promise um, because that's who he is. And that's my hope is that. And then I also hope for people that know Arthur, uh, people that have uh, known him for this long and then maybe be surprised by some of the things he said. He didn't come on here just to... Um, um, air his dirty laundry and to upset people. He came on here because he's at a place where he, he wants to share his experience. Because if you're experiencing that right now, if you're going through this right now, he wants there to be a light as well at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And he's still on a journey like we all are. And yet there are better days. Um, Jesus, like Ruben said, is coming back. He's going to make things right. All those injustices that, he's, that we've experienced or even perceived injustices, he's going to set right. Um, good thing he's the one that does it and not me because <laughs> it may not turn out so good if I did it. Yeah. Um, but thanks, Arthur, for your transparency. And yep. thank you for coming yep. on the Appreciate it. rabbit hole ramble. Our longest episode.
This may be our longest episode we ever do. Yeah, I think it will. Unless we tasted the goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but it, honestly, when you said two hours and 30 minutes, I was like, whoa, really? Like, I think it, yeah, because the, it, it didn't feel that long. Yeah. Because it, it was, was a relationship a genuine, conversation. It was a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And vulnerability. That we happened to have mics in front of our mouth. <laughs> right. Well, that's really been the nature of the ramble anyway. Yeah. Is that and that's let's just heart. have a conversation. Yeah. Let's just talk. Let's well, just that, talk like that. That aspect of hope is like, I feel like I was saved for a reason and it might just be one person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as soon as I do that, guy's going to take me home. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fly. All right. Let's so <laughs> pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture. I'm no, no, rapture. we're not going to know my word. <laughs> we're not going to get into that one again. Don't, don't dive back. Go listen to Dante's Inferno. Oh, that's where we're all going. Dante's Inferno. No. The layers of hell. <laughs> Hurry, uh, scoot that thing over. Scoot yeah. that thing over. <laughs> Yeet. All right. Yeah. So Ruben is like wrapping this thing up. So, well, my name is Ray. And I'm Ruben. We've had our guest, Arthur, and we're talking about the Rabbit Hole Ramble. It's a podcast where Where we we say the quiet part out out loud. loud. Really appreciate you coming on. And this has been a blessing. Yeah, so good conversation. Learned a lot. So thanks for sharing. I've almost got it memorized.